Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Run Fast on Raw Dog Product. Serious XM Comedy Hits Channel 99 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ It's a Friday Coming up a little later on Unmasked With Simon Pegg It's going to be a lot of fun Make sure you're here 2 o'clock in the East For Unmasked With Simon Pegg Let's uh, check right away On last night's Highlander Where all the comedians get together And play the elimination game Highlander last night. It's the Ron and Fez Highlander. There can be only one comedian football challenge. One comedian will live forever in infamy. Never to be forgotten. There can be only one. That's right. The princes of the universe have all gotten together to play. Still in the game, Jay Moore, Jim Florentine, Big Jay Okerson, Jimmy Schubert, Michael Ian Black, Ryan Sickler, Open Mike Eagles, Susie Essman, Sam Morrell, Tom Rhodes is still in this, Clayton Fletcher, the Kenley... Pete Davidson, Dan Perlman, Dave Smith, Gary Goldman is still alive. Don Jameson still making it happen. Chris Laker, Joe List, Jim Gaffigan, Eric Stengel, Gino Piscante, who, by the way, went 4-0. 4-0 with his picks. I took them all, and my man was crying. My man actually said this to me. Yeah. Can I... Can you float me a week or two? Your dude was saying that? Yeah. Jesus. Jimmy Pardo, Sean Halpin, um, Bert Kreischer, Jason Nash, Pete Dominic, Joe DeRosa, still involved, and back buddies with Anthony again, Nick Turner, and Jeffrey Gurian is still involved somehow. Now, last night, how many people bet on that game last night? Zero. Chris, I hate to sit around and correct you. And I have to all the time. Yeah. But I want to point out that betting last night, and uh, this is not a joke, uh, Robert Kelly bet last night, and so did Mike Pachetti. But they're out. Yes. They're out of the the Two of the guys that were out... Went and bet last night. This, the, uh, I guess, either 
we uh, haven't um, explained it well enough to them. But they're no longer one of the princes of the universe. No, they're headless, like in Highlander. They got their heads cut off. I hate to think of them that way, but you are correct. They're headless. Highlander, there can only be one comedian football challenge. So we'll have to wait and see the Sunday games to see who's out next. Last week was just a bloodbath. Oh, good God. A bloodbath. We lost 16 comedians last week. 16, and now, of course, Big J cannot use the Eagles again. So I don't know what he's going to do. He's done. Life, huh? Life. Hey, it's time to announce our next Unmasked. And this is one that I'm completely excited about. Sometimes I do an Unmasked because, you know, the person's big and they've had a great career and it'll be good to hear it. But sometimes... It's that, plus personally, I'm incredibly excited about talking to this person. Who will be Ron Beddington's next guest on Unmasked? Let's find out. That's one loose board he runs, dude. That's one loose board. Andrea Martin is the next Unmasked. Andrea Martin from SCTV, Broadway, and... um, and more. So this is our second SCTV person, I believe, right? Yeah, after uh, Eugene Levy. Yeah. I think uh, SCTV was like one of the real high marks of all time. But I got a spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Calling from Spain. It's the one and only lost intern running around the world, Molly. Molly, how are you, darling? What's up, guys? Oh, she's already gone native oh, on me. She's already <laughs> gone native. My Spanish has improved very quickly. Well, how how is it in Spain? Is it beautiful? Oh, it's beautiful. The buildings are gorgeous. The people are so nice. The food is really good, but I'm kind of getting tired of, like, dried meat. I eat a lot of salami. I, I went and I saw the, uh, the bowl fight. That was crazy. I've been soaking it all up. You got to be very proud. So like Hemingway, you went and watched the bull get killed. Right, yeah. It, honestly, I uh, the first one, they killed six bulls. Yeah. The first one was a little bit rough, and then it was, and then it was actually very exciting. I'm ashamed to say that I kind of enjoyed it. So like gladiators, at first when you show up, you feel bad, but then as the day goes on, you start putting your thumb down, kill it. I can't believe <laughs> yeah, they killed yeah, like, I thought they killed one bull. Yeah. It's like seeing six no, football they, games in a row. Yeah, they, it, it, and they say, they told me that each one was going to last 15 minutes, but they last way longer than that. We were there for like over two hours. And they start out, you know, they come out with the with the bowl, and then they say how much it weighs. So the full, the, they get bigger as you go along. So like the first bowl was smallish, and it was very sad because you just, you literally, it dies on the, in the middle of the ring. And then the last bowl was humongous. It was like from, from its feet to its, the top of its head was like as tall as, as a full-grown man. From the window, crazy. from the so walls, the- there's no stopping this bull. <laughs> now, how many people show up for a bullfight? There were, well, they go from, I think, May until October, and they have one every weekend. So yeah. if it's not like a, a famous matador or if it's not like a festival weekend, then... Uh, I would say there were probably like 300 people there or something like that. Only 300 people are watching a bullfight? 
thought I'd be packed yeah, out. Me too. I mean, if I well, lived no. in Madrid, I'd go there every. Sounds oh, like yeah. a fucking Mets game. <laughs> <laughs> the stadium holds like a ton of people though, because it's the capital city, and it's just a it's a really big cultural deal. So they have. I think they usually have more people, but the one that I was at, it was probably like halfway full. Jeez. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, I thought that they would be drawn like it was Madison Square Garden. They're killing animals in the middle of a giant stadium. Why wouldn't you want to go to that? <laughs> and only 300 people show up and six bulls are dead. How are they, how are they getting their nut out of this? You would think killing, you know, raising a bull to that size would be expensive. Can you gamble on it? Do you know that the, the type of bull that they use apparently would be extinct if, if this sport didn't exist anymore. That it's like, you know, it, it's not used for anything else. Oh, here comes they, the defense attorney. This is Armani. She's always ready to defend her new culture. I'm not, um, well, and then they uh, they do eat some of it after, but you're not supposed to eat a lot of it because the bull gets so stressed out that it releases all these toxins and the meat is like, you know, it's bad for you. Basically. So we could never eat fez. By the way, you missed you missed a classic Fez Shelby fight yesterday that had people emailing me all night. I forget what even. No. Started. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Oh, it came oh, over the interns training of the interns. Oh yeah, Molly. Oh, yeah, how are the new interns? Oh, terrible! It's a terrible class. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the guy that was on the phone was nice to me. So who's on the phone? Oh, that's that, uh, Cal. Everybody has big plans for Cal, but we got to separate him from the other two slackers, <laughs> Clocks and Peter Laurie. <laughs> Molly, I'm actually oh, worried yeah. about Shelby. I just think. Well, I think that there's just behavior there that is mental problems. That is well, emotional yeah. or mental problems. You, I'm, I'm legitimately worried. I, what was the thing that you said you brought up? You thought he had a certain. Thing yesterday. Oh, the Tourette's thing? Yeah. Yeah. You're mocking him for Tourette's. Yeah. I mean, Chris Chris heard it now. What does he do? It's it's a variety of different noises. Uh-huh. The loudest one is a big... <gasps> Have you ever heard this, Molly? <laughs> no. No, no, I haven't I... either. I haven't, but I don't know. I mean, Shelby can be a little moody, so sorry, Shelby, but it's true. Well, there's anger issues. I think there's emotional issues where he just, where, like, I, I've seen him just d- discussing things up in the office where yeah. he gets really upset. The other day we were talking about something. Chris was trying to explain it to him, and he just spun around and just turned his back on Chris, didn't want to listen to it. Is that right, Chris? He gets pissy. There, there is, is no... Is that what you guys fought about yesterday? Well, they fought about the training of the interns. The interns have been doing a horrible job. And I'd given the training to Fez, and then Shelby wanted it. And then Shelby said that Fez can't run the board. So I noticed today, Fez, you gave him the board back. Yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm just trying to chill him out. I put him in his room where he wanted to be close to his interns. <laughs> Sounds crazy. It, it's been nuts. It, that's what I'm afraid of. Do you well, think he, you he know, can maybe... hack it? No. No, I think, and then you know how he just all of a sudden just stayed here when you when yesterday when it was like fine come into the booth come take yeah. the board come take the interns and he just kind of sat here and then he when locked he, up yeah and then when he did go in the room just I'd never seen Shelby like this where he wasn't uh, he wasn't saying anything but the face the it was bright red the eyes were real red. 
No, I was I was helping the intern correct the phones. You know, like the person that's in the booth, they kind of should be doing that. So I went no, over I'm not to talk- him. I'm and, not talking you know. about what you were saying to him. I'm saying what you look like. How it looked like at 23 years old, this kid had a serious blood pressure problem going on. Mm. So, what do you think his main problem is? I th- um. I think it's an antisocial thing hmm. where he doesn't know how to interact with other people. He's You're got anger issues. Me, how, that I don't know how to interact with people. Me. Yes, you. See, he gets confused. You're telling. You're the one telling me that I don't. What? What can't you follow about this? Yes, I'm explaining it to you. I know about these things. You see, Ma. Um. It's gotten bad. And I'm being calm that. now. I mean. And I didn't, Molly. I didn't start that fight yesterday. It came out of nowhere. I did. I got angry too. Should we pull up the Fez show to see who really has the problem interacting with people? See, he can't talk. He can't. He doesn't want to talk about this. He's trying to divert. Mm. So it's been awful since you left, Molly. But <laughs> it really has. I'm glad you're killing bulls and eating salted meats. No, I- I haven't killed a single bull, but I really do miss you guys. The people that are in my group are just atrocious. There's this one girl who is gluten-free, and she, oh, just don't even get me started. Like, just thank goodness that no one in the office is gluten-free. Just be like, gluten-free, as free as the wind blows. Um... I hate that gluten-free girl, and I feel like cut, jumping on a plane and punching her right in the face. I'll just inject her full of gluten. You haven't gotten a little Spanish uh, boyfriend yet, a matador, or at least no, a luchador? No, Spanish boyfriend. <laughs> I've really been doing me. I'm here to, to find myself. Oh, that's none of my business, honey. That's your <laughs> private time. You're outside. That's my <laughs> private time. How are you doing with the wine? We understand you got you drink quite a bit. No. <laughs> no, I only, I've only been out twice. Good. Last night we went out and did karaoke, and then another night I went to a club. Molly, did you end up on the bar, dancing on the bar again? No. Vito's a liar. I get reports. He's Vito's a, never he's lied to us. <laughs> he doesn't know how to lie. He's like a child, he like a open, baby. He has an open yeah. heart. <laughs> One time he said to me, Vito, shit in hand, wipe on wall. And I'm like, I know you did, Vito, but then you can't. <laughs> we got to clean that up, Vito. Oh, man. Yeah, I really do miss you guys. You should come out to Spain and visit. We're talking about it. We're talking about it all the time. Okay, good. I don't think Shelby will want to go. Oh, Jesus. This guy's obsessed with me. It's kind of anti... Well, after yesterday, yes, I am. I'm concerned. You're very antisocial. It happened when you tried to get an internship. The HR people, uh, internship people didn't want you in the building. Rob Cross had to step in and handle that situation. I'm antisocial, but you want a co-host from a whole different room. You don't see the correlation there? No, not at all. Hmm. Uncomfortable. Always uncomfortable. It's gotten, it is. It's gotten real bad, Molly. It's gotten very bad, Molly, since you left. You were the glow. Like, almost immediately. She's only been gone for, like, two weeks. No, it's been longer than that, hasn't it? Well, I guess we, no, yeah, I guess about a month now because of the vacation. We had a vacation. Yeah, it was, it's been three weeks. Okay, so no help, Chris. Thank you. I'm the worst. <laughs> Just the fucking worst. Maybe if I should banish you to the other room. <laughs> mm, this is uncomfortable. Um, 
um, uh, Mom, it was great talking to you, sweetie. Yeah, I'm going to try and call in more. I, I didn't have a phone until now, so but I've been listening a little bit like when I can, and you guys sound great. All right, thanks, honey. We'll talk to you soon. And Andrea okay, Martin uh, on Mass coming up. You got to tell your parents in case they want to come up. All right, talk- oh, yeah, I'll definitely pass on the message. All right, bye-bye. That's coming up Wednesday the 24th. Wow, that's soon. Wednesday the 24th, and that's going to be at 6 p.m. here at the SiriusXM Studios. And who do we got next week? Bill Hader. Wow, yeah, Bill big. Hader. Bill Hader on Tuesday. Um, Steve, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I think Shelby was upset because he's dating a Middle Eastern girl, and it was 9-11. I tell you the truth. All the years that I've done radio... I never saw a 9-11 fight before. Like I, I know. He, see, that's what I mean by inappropriateness. It was very inappropriate. It was very inappropriate. And then, Fez, you didn't even stay for the song, which, you know, is always, you know, an ending song, taking us back to the NAW days. And I'm like, this thing has really gotten weird. Really, really weird. Uh, Ricky in Detroit. Hey, how you doing, Ronnie? Good. Good. I was just going to say, you know, if that's going to come on the air today for the first time in two years, can he at least do it without being an asshole to one of the people that have been doing his job before? I, I'm not screaming or yelling. I'm, not, I'm just pointing out I think Shelby has some troubles that need to be addressed. And I'm try and I'm trying to help out a co-worker. Well, what would there's, you- good, there's good health care here. What would you do with him? I think he needs to sit down and talk to a professional. Like a therapist? Yeah. Shelby, would you like us to send you to a therapist? I'm I'm good. No thanks. I'm not saying a psychiatrist with pills. Mm-hmm. Probably you know, I don't know if he's there yet or not. There may be some sort of mood stabilizer. But I, I would definitely suggest a therapist. Do you demand it? I yes. I I think wow. I think it's necessary at this point. What do you think, Chris? I think he has to go out there. I think he won't talk to me. Right? I mean, you tried. tried. I've seen it. God knows. Maybe he needs to get something out. Shelby, would you like to spend a weekend in a padded cell? No, I think the nut hut's reserved for other people on the show. Okay. <laughs> oh shit! See, it's You're that trying attitude. to start a fight. You're trying yeah. to start a fight now. And I haven't insulted you. Just said I have emotional issues. I don't have any. That's not an insult. That's really intolerant on your part. Oh, the whole offended thing. I get it. Uh, Joe, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, isn't Fez the one that has Tourette's when he goes... He does do that sometimes. I'm aware of these things. I'm aware. I I spot them in other people. (laughs) <laughs> I am totally I'm, aware of these things. I'm telling you this. Fez is being so level right now. This is fucking weirding me the fuck out. I'm, I'm weirded out, too. I'm thinking Uzi is going to like pop out. No, I'm not seeing yeah, it that that's, way. That's not the person I'm worried about shooting up the place. No, I don't like guns. Fez sounds level-headed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the calm before the storm. Shelby's in that what about Bob thing where... <laughs> But you really did. You were you were crazy yesterday, Shelby. Well, like the whole time since I've been here, it's like you don't know how to run the board. You refuse to learn. We're you, only you, going by all the mistakes. Yeah, we got it. And you can't do it. And then the month, 
the last month, it's no, you you can't be on the board. So any mistakes, I'm like, I I just I'm out. I'm I don't know what to say. This is like a if Jekyll and Hyde thing. I don't know what he's saying. Do you? It's no. kind of schizophrenic. Whole, you want to be in there. Like That's... I want to. I want to be able to run the board great, do everything great, and then the last month, it's no, you can't be on the board. Yeah, but there's situations, my friend, where things come up, mistakes come up. I've tried to point out some things to you on the board in the past couple of weeks. You won't listen to me. You've never listened to Chris. I don't want to like just start complimenting myself, but I I was running what? the whole Joan Rivers like special. I was do I had two pairs of headphones. I was editing things. I was pulling stuff up. I was trying to monitor the phones. And there's B knock. They were shooting stuff off. I was calling them to make sure we're on the air. So I don't know when like to say that I don't know how to run the board. Ronnie, you I'm remember Shelby's it. Joan Rivers tribute show? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Delusions of grandeur. I remember Chris couldn't get a fucking word from anybody. The fucking phones were terrible. I was freaking the fuck out. Look at the fucking hotline. But you're you're just you're killing it though. Like I'm the one. Me? I'm no, not you. Well, you're you're great. It seems like that you lost strange. Chris on this one. Gone. Lost. Lost. Did you just give me the break sign? No, no, I, I, uh, a pen. A pen. I put the pen down. It's a broken pen sign. I look over and he's giving you a break sign. I'm like, I've barely been on the air. <laughs> 20 minutes, Rob. we got to get to like, catch up. <laughs> Patrick, you're on the Run of Fed show. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm just like a fucking lunatic for caring so much about a, a talk show like this. I feel like I'm losing my mind, but I, I don't understand how you can think it's anybody but Fez's fault. I mean... Shelby did not sign on to the show to become third Mike. That was not his job description. He is not. A he, he's in his position that he wants to be in. He and he's still not to, happy. Yeah. He should be producing. Fez, you don't. You don't fucking talk on the show. Everyone has to pull extra weight because of you. You have no right to sit there and, and reprimand or talk down to anyone. I mean, I can't even believe the balls you have not doing your job for eight fucking years that you could talk to anybody and be like, oh, uh, yeah, you're not doing your job right. That's insane, man. I hope your company has mental just, health benefits, not, too. And, and not talk to anybody, because you have no right to talk to anybody about not doing their job. You collect a paycheck every fucking month. I'm not even talking about that. Nothing. I'm talking about getting the kid yeah, some so help that Shelby he seriously needs. Get back on second mic. Get on second mic. Let Shelby sit in the producer's booth and do his fucking job. Jesus Christ. I'm losing my mind here. I think most listeners are. You're out of your mind, dude. You may want to go to therapy with Shelby. Right, you got to stop with that. You're starting to drive me crazy, Fez. I can't hear about therapy again. No more fucking therapy. In talk. my own weird way, I'm an expert on this. I know, but now when you start telling everyone to do it, it sounds even crazier. It sounds just like crazy. Well, I don't know why that man's screaming at me. Because he's listened to the program before. Luckily for you, you're not looking at Twitter right now. They're also freaking out. I freaked out yesterday. And what? said there is something seriously wrong with that kid. We heard you. <laughs> well, Shelby's the first guy I've ever seen who wanted his career to go backwards, though. That he pulled that out yesterday. I want in there.
I won in there. Give me that booth. And it all came because he was having trouble pitching that fucking weird bit that oh, he had put together. Re- renamed the that he wasn't ready to fucking bring on the air. And then he blamed it all on Fez. Yeah. And said, I need to get back in that room. It would help if that- I don't get a text 10 minutes before the show that's saying we it might go up. What? Wow, Chris. <laughs> Shot at you. What was that? He said that I didn't give him enough. <laughs> I didn't tell him that his his uh, bit was, even though I did. I don't you fucking throw shit at me, Shelby. All right, you. Fu- it's your fucking bit. You should know what to fucking do with it. Let me get paranoia. Before I check them all off. Wow. Craziness. Yeah, it's getting fucking real. Yeah. It's getting real. Real ugly. Shelves, I don't know how to tell you this, but the fucking phones are so far behind right now. And, you know, I know that you're running everything in there, but... Sad. Matt, you're on the Run and Fez show. Yeah, hey, Ron. Since uh, Fez has been in the race for long, how about we have a Fez and Fez Jr. show? It, well, it's kind of become one, but I notice in that room, Shelby's talking even less today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's not even facing up with, with Fez. Uh, Steve, Steve, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, you, we got to give Fezzy some credibility here. You know, just like you said, he is an expert. You know, it's sort of like an addict can always pick up on another addict. He's picking up on some crazy from Shelby. We should listen. All right, Rorschach is concerned because Fez has the weird calmness conf- and confidence of a serial killer. <laughs> Which is the calm before the storm. Rorschach, I, I hate blood. I hate guns. There's nothing to worry about there. I would faint before I saw anyone's blood. Do you, are you on new medication now, or is it something like that? Yeah, I'm on, yeah, I'm on new meds. Oh. You, and you feel like it's working well for you? Yeah, Absolutely. I think it's working much better. I just saw a doctor maybe a couple days ago. Dr. Vinny Bombards. You know his doctor, right? Um, Oscar, you're on the Run of Fez show. I am Robot Twink Shelby. I don't have emotion, and I don't know how to run the board. If you're well, a robot, you could just interface. In his defense, it took Chris forever to tell him what he was going to be doing. I know. I, I just, you know, I'm the screw-up. Shelby's perfect. I tried to go over it with him, but I just got brushed off. He did do a great job uh, at the Joan Rivers tribute, though, I guess. He was amazing. He had two headphones on. He's on the phone with Beanock. <laughs> In the meantime, I, I, that to me was my favorite thing I've ever heard. Insane. I guess we didn't get knocked off the fucking air. Jesus Christ, Shelby. You, so you, you can't possibly be bragging. So you're on Team Fez now. Somehow, after my meltdown with Fez, I've become I'm fucking on Team <laughs> Fez. I, I I don't want to be here, but I am because it's the new weirdly calm, confident, mental <laughs> illness alert Fez. I guess Chris, I could... Chris, I need to say something to you because I haven't said this properly. I apologize for a couple of weeks ago. Well, that took forever, and then you just wait until he said he was on Team Fez. It really comes across weird. Wait, maybe you're not on Team Fez again. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have said anything worse than what you just did. Dick! Um, here's, uh, here's Jonas. Jonas, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, do a million bucks heading into the weekend. Hey, what's up? 
Hey, Pepper, uh, I was just curious if you got Susie Essman on speed dial so we can end the week with a fuck Shelby, fuck Shelby drop over and oh, over. please, no. <laughs> please, we can't. Uh, Chris in Pennsylvania. Hey, Shelbo, just hang in for about 10 or 20 minutes when the topic changes, and then Fez will just stop talking and leave you alone for the rest of the show. Yeah. He does like a cent- the, He does do better when Fez is in the center of things. Yeah. I people writing, seriously, Fez is freaking me out right now. You seem oddly calm, Fez. I'm very calm today. I shouldn't have gotten angry yesterday. I don't remember him sounding like this before. But Ever. there's a lot of signs there that Shelby's a very troubled young man, and I I can't suggest therapy strongly enough. Just talk to someone. He there's t- a lot of times when things come up, he instantly goes back to his parents' divorce. I know parent issues. That's therapy time. Wow. Never thought I'd saw the day. Fez Wiley. Clear, calm, composed. Fez fucking completely shut <laughs> Shelby's ass down today, which I also can't believe. Unbelievable. And look at Fez. Shelby's sitting at the mic, locked up. It's it's We're in through the fucking looking glass here. <laughs> Everything has fucking changed. Whoever sits in that seat can't speak. That is a fucking... That is a dark hole in that corner over there. Good God. What's happening? Uh, we got a big guest here now? Yeah. Jeffrey Gurian's bringing in a big major guest as we speak. Let's just uh, bring him in. We'll let Jeffrey announce who he has. studio with us is your guest with you yeah i have him in my bag no but seriously uh, out in the hall oh, uh, oh yes oh yeah oh uh, well, what's dh the, yeah DH? W- yeah what's uh fez doing with him uh talking just finding out what's going on with him i guess because uh the publicist is here too from caroline so they're hanging out that's very strange my team are we on the air yeah we're on the <laughs> yeah, air okay. yeah we're i always check i never know yeah i never know you can't be too careful around here um I thought everybody would be walking in together. Oh, okay. I don't think they got the the memo that we yeah. were going to do that. There he is. The amazing. Yeah. DH. Can I say the name? Yes, please it's say the name. Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond you, is here in the house. How are you? Great to see you guys. Daryl Hammond is here. He's performing at Caroline's on Broadway tonight through Saturday. Carolines.com for tickets and more info. And if you get the opportunity, read his amazing book. Which is in development at La Jolla Playhouse. Is that right? Yeah. As the one-man show? Yeah, the- 
That's where Billy Crystal's play was. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. How can when's the, when can we first take uh, a when can we all get in and say can we? Uh, well, it'll be there in being in January and February. I got to be there for it because when um, you sat down and told your story that day when we did a mess, yeah, I, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was just my. I, no, it I is, didn't, it I didn't is. do anything. I was just there. <laughs> yeah. But you just your, lived it. But yeah. your yeah. life story is uh, phenomenal. Uh, 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 and then the way you put it together, it's so incredibly entertaining. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's directed uh, by Chris Ashley. It's the La Jolla Playhouse. Uh huh. Um, they know what they're doing. They, it's, I mean, they did Billy's show. And yeah. That was Memphis and lots of other shows. So hopefully I can just do my part and it'll it'll come out well. Uh, the the book God if you're if you're not there I'm fucked up there. If you're not up there I'm fucked. That's I mean if you look online it will say the Daryl Hammond Project La Jolla Playhouse. That's fantastic. <clears throat> yes sir. Yeah. God if you're not up can I cuss? Yeah. Uh, yeah God if you're not up there I'm fucked which was a, a prayer from a Caribbean jail. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know any prayers. <laughs> that was the one where you were on a cruise ship. Yeah. Ended up doing blow in a bar. Uh, well, actually accepting blow. Not, yeah. Not doing it. Well, that's always, people don't understand that about the Caribbean, that there are so few people that are n natives there that they have, they run their own kind of yeah. deal. Um, you know, you're partying on the ship, you're in a, you're in a bar. The golden rum, you know how strong that's, I mean, it's yeah. really strong rum, people. You know, it's you, you feel like you're not in the real world, but you're very much in the real world. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, Absolutely. oh, this is not the real world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the Caribbean, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's not. The next but, thing you know, you're behind bars. Yeah, well, it's see, the South the, Bronx. But yeah, it's the South Bronx. <laughs> yeah. Because the cops <laughs> and the dealers grew up together. They know each other. So sometimes the dealers can say, hey, I, I have, you know, here's where I'm going to be selling stuff to tourists. Yeah. Make sure you're close by. Everybody gets a taste. Everybody, And you don't know it because you're just, you, you see pretty palm yeah. trees you know, i mean i was listen had i not been blasted out of my mind it couldn't have happened yeah but i mean i was in a stall a guy came in the stall with me hey mm. want this put it in your pocket sure I, right at least i'm not getting mugged i'm thinking <laughs> yeah i walked down the stairs i got arrested um wow. ironically i was never a, a coke guy really uh -huh. Yeah, just uh, but whatever. Yeah, it was it was bad, and so I'm in the jail, and I realize <clears throat> I, I I'm not getting out of this one. I've been in a lot of stuff in my you know jails yeah. in my life. Yeah, really, I'm not yeah. getting out of this one. I guess I'm gonna have to. I I, I hope there's a god. Right. And I'm like, or, and I'm, if, fucked. Yeah, or I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. Like, because uh, there's no legal wrangling. There's no amount of money. There's <clears throat> no political influence is going to get me out of this cell that, you know, I'm in chains, man. Yeah. I mean, I never even had a, you know, DUI. Right. <laughs> I've never been arrested. Yeah. When you're busted in <clears throat> another country, you start to think, you, you can't even yell that I've got my rights and know how this all works. You don't mm. know. I'm in leg. Uh, I was in leg irons. Wow. Yeah, you start thinking Midnight Express. Um, and why? And why shouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It is. Sure. Yeah, stay is on the minute. ship, guys. Yeah, yeah, stay right. on the ship. <laughs> great parties on the ship, and don't let anybody in your store. Yeah, that's right. That's the key. You, you were working as a comic on that cruise, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now the ship's sailing without you. Yep. Moving on. 
fuck. You it's know, awful. and it's funny because when you're on Golden Rum, you're you're like, oh, I'm going to jail, man. What? This is a joke, man. <laughs> yeah. It's just a joke. Yeah. It's silly. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> and, then you ever, and then you wake up and you're like, what the hell? Yeah. What just happened? Man? Where I have leg irons on. Mm. Yeah, that's Yeah. So these are the stories, and you've got plenty of them. Uh, there's yeah. so much. I mean, I don't do that. Well, I'm doing stand up at Caroline, so yeah. I'm not going to do. Obviously, not going to do that story there. But when you when when you go out and do your stand up, you're going to do your material that you know kills that you know the audience yeah. loves. Yeah. But when you go and then when you go to the Playhouse, you're going to enter. Do both, yes. more or less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because the, there has to be a big section about SNL. Yeah. And how I learned all that, to do all that stuff. Yeah, sure. So SNL forty years That's right now, I'm which yeah. is crazy. And you were on for what twenty fourteen? Yeah. So it would have been almost twenty uh, percent, almost twenty five percent of the forty years. Uh, You've been on the show uh, <laughs> that much of the time. I I I, I made more appearances, uh, I guess, than anyone. Yeah. 287 shows and then lots of, you know, lots of actual on-air appearances. Is it as stressful as everybody says? Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about it, you know, it, it, as Lauren Michaels always says, the show doesn't go on because it's ready. It goes on because it's 1130. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole point of the show is that you're on the clock and you get, you got to learn a fully realized character and there's the clock is ticking. There's just a little bit of time. You know, and... uh you know, you prepare, you write and prepare characters for four 90-minute shows in one week. You whittle it down to um, enough for one 90-minute show. And, uh, you know, and tick, tick, and the whole the whole planet is watching, including the president. It's always been amazing to me, like, some funny people get on that show and just never break out, never, yeah. you know. I mean, amazing people. Yeah. And some people, of course, write it very well. What do you think the difference is between... I, 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 it probably has to do with how that 99% of the things that you work on develop, create, and fall in love with don't go on the air. That's just the nature of the show. Is that, you know, is that healthy for comedy, or would it be better if they switched? Because the show has kind of ran like the show for 40 years, you know? Um, no one has ever asked me to produce that show. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I've, I mean, I was, I guess I've been there more than anyone else. I still can't figure out how they do it. There's some sort of mystery as to how you're, it gets from the 17th floor to the 8th floor, and it's never really ready until the last second. Yeah. I mean, the last minute someone shows up with something, and it says, you know, it, and it, uh, it's written in French. <laughs> you know, oh, the, now it's funny. Uh, am I taking away from your time? No, not at all. No, no, this is your time. Oh, well, oh, no. oh. I'd like to hear about Joan Rivers, too. <laughs> but anyway, sure. I, I'm sorry I didn't know. No, no, absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm f- I'm listening with fascination. Yeah. Um, it's like really stressful. Yeah. I I I. There's something about the fact that the show is always there, though, that I like. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't. It's, it reminds me of Monday Night Football, in the way of you know, it's it's time. 
You know? Yeah, it, it never see it, it doesn't seem like it was ever not there, and it seems like it always will be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the fact, like, some people are like, oh, I can't stand the show anymore. Like, it's there. Just watch it. Even if it's not working, mm-hmm. you're watching guys fail on TV. That's kind of interesting. You know? Well, if you understand the degree of difficulty involved, yeah. you know, I mean... Um, you know, have a little sympathy because it's almost, I mean, the speed with which you have to prepare is, is crazy. I mean, I, yeah. I, I've, it's not just that they're the greatest sketch players in the world, they're the fastest. Yeah. Not every, and not everyone can do it. And, you know, I didn't always get it right, that's for sure. And on the other hand, there were times when I didn't get it right when the makeup and hair and the writers, all, you know, all the Emmy winners come in and go, here, I'll prop you up. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you're lucky to have all those strong people around. But it's so amazing, like you said, even the president, that it gets to the point, like, with some of the stuff that you did, everybody would be talking about mm-hmm. in Washington, mm-hmm. in the most powerful yes. hallways of the world. Yes. And if they thought the show mm-hmm. was going in one direction, they would want to follow you know, well, I don't know what it was they would want to do, but yeah. they were certainly talking about it and yeah. paying attention. You know, but but I think that they would go, oh, let's use this to our advantage. If we, you know, you can't fight against the tide. Let me make fun of myself too. I, I don't know? actually know. I will say that it's really strange that those guys know your name and say hi to you. Yeah, that's just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I was watching President Clinton give a speech one night, uh, one afternoon in in California. Yeah. You know, he's up there and he's talking to like the bar, California Bar Association about tort reform and complicated stuff way yeah. over my head. And all of a sudden he's like, and you know, off to the side is Daryl Hammond. I'm like, <laughs> did you just say my name? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. How amazing. What in the world? How'd that happen? Yeah. Well, here's the thing too, because when you did that impression and you, and you, Put it there. Everybody else would start from your impression on. So before you turn around, everyone's using the thumb thing, no the matter thumb who. And the, the thumb and the lip, even yeah. though he never did that. <laughs> never. <laughs> That's the best part of it. I mean, I think he did the thumb thing yeah. and, um, and the lip thing once and the thumb thing several times, but not ever together. But yeah, but that happened with Dana Carvey, too. Um, and and when, you know, uh, Ackroyd did Carter. You know, right. Yeah, that becomes the starting point where everyone else acts like, okay, here's the impression, and let me, you know, put my spin on it. So no, you you'll get to everybody after that. I mean, when you know, I would go on the road as a stand-up, and I would see people doing Clinton, and they, I was like, where where could they have seen that? He never did it. <laughs> uh, or you'd see people doing um, uh, Bush Senior. Yeah, you know, I'm like, not guy, yeah, you know, yeah. A thousand points a lot, you know. Yeah. I was like, "Wow, that's a powerful show." Yeah, it's an amazing thing to see yeah. that you know when people. It's it's almost like a political cartoon where people b- would believe the political cartoon as if it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and everybody you know should be coming, but the Saturday night. I think the two things on mm. that show is who's ever doing Weekend Update is. In some kind of hot seat, and who's ever doing the president at the time? Yeah, it's you know that's the big shot. That's that's the historical pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a lot of pressure, and I, I mean, to think that you know this is not fully written, 
and 16 million people are watching and yeah. it's live and you know it's not like i remember one time i was doing dan rather in one sketch and then three minutes later exactly three minutes later i had to do tony soprano in a sketch with molly shannon um you know at the bada bing so i had to go from rather to stone soprano in three minutes and uh in that three minutes, a scaffolding fell on my head. I got um, a layer of skin peeled off the side of my face. I got chalk in my mouth and glue in my eye. And when they, we went to air, the script wasn't the same. The first 30 seconds I'd never seen before. And that happened all the time. That happened all the time. And they would give you characters that you weren't familiar with sometimes because, you know, here, take a look at these tapes. Yeah. And you didn't know whether you could pull it off until right. you found the spot. Right. And I didn't didn't always get it. That's for yeah. sure. And then sometimes they would make you look so much like the person and the writing would be so good. People would go, that was a good impression. And you know it sucked. <laughs> it was just that people were propping you up. Out right. There. But, you know, you know, we were talking about when Chevy did Gerald Ford years ago, he didn't even attempt it. He just fell down and people went, oh, he does a great Ford. Yeah. I mean, you have to, there are different kinds of... of Impression is probably not the right word, but the, you, when you do a version of the person that resonates with people, yeah, you know, it's just as funny, yeah. But that, I mean, um, yeah, you just you just have to click that one thing with the audience. Yeah, what, what are they going to go? What do they resonate with? I mean, yeah. I was at the cellar one night doing Clinton, and I just did the thumb and lip thing, and the place exploded. And then I went back to SNL. I went, you know, I did this thumb and lip thing, and they're like, well, let's try it. And then after that, you know, like 80 times in a row, they would write in, does thumb and lip thing. Yeah. <laughs> so th you would use the seller to yep. see how this stuff was working out. That's it's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, if I had time during the week, I would run down there at night. And just know, okay, I've done something. I heard it. Now where do we go with it? Right. So it's like a lab. You're just sitting there working on it, working on it, before yeah. you could release it to the public. That's the, pretty much the comedy seller. Yeah. I mean, if you stop and think about the comedians that have come out of there and the amount of material that's been written in that little place, yeah. Yeah, it's phenomenal for that reason. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be playing Caroline's mm -hmm. on Broadway tonight through Saturday night. Go to carolines.com for tickets. And also, God, if you're not up there, I'm fucked. That's available on Amazon.com. Um, Daryl Hammond is sitting in with us. You're a great interviewer, bro. Oh, I, lo I love talking oh. to you, man. But you... Um, you're doing okay with the sobriety thing? You're hanging in there? I'm hanging in there. Yeah. Again, I have no incidents to report. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. I'll just say that. But isn't it great when you get a little bit of time to where you start to feel like, I feel like I got it rolling now, you know? I don't ever feel like that. Never. I mean, huh? To me, it's 100% mysterious to me. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I mean, sense, I'm, yeah. I mean, it's that's a big deal you're talking about, and and I, I haven't ever really understood it all the way. But it's so, I mean, just to look at how you're doing now, mm -hmm. you know, compared to some of the places you've been before, <laughs> you know, just to know you're not yeah. battling back you mean, against you mean the, that. the Florida Ronald Reagan Airport, yeah, <laughs> on my back, and you're, yeah, yeah, that's not that, yeah, I don't have anything like that for you. That's fantastic, man. 
Thank you. I'm so happy for you. Because, Daryl Hammond, you are a really good dude, Thank you. in all honesty, and one of the hardest working people. I mean, uh, the, so much of this stuff is difficult to do with. And when, when I went through this book, I mean, just to be on, you know, to do the Saturday Night Live and to know you've got the pressure of the opening and all, but to know how much other shit was in your life and that you were battling back against. So difficult. That was the calmest thing that was going on. Right. I mean, that was that. Plus, there was lots of help. Yeah. Lots of help, you know, for me. It's something you just can't do on your own without the help. I can't do nothing on my own without my help. (laughs) I'm always asking someone for advice on something, you know. Yeah. Um, What's uh, so, you know, in January, Mm -hmm. you're going in to do this play how is that looming is this something you're looking forward to or is there concerns as well i if it's a if i if i'm in good enough physical condition to do i'm good i mean to do my part mm-hmm. and i i mean i'm going to the gym like every other day and sometimes i mean sometimes more but um so far it's you know it, it keeps improving and you know and it improves enough to be in that, you know, August theater. I mean, places, a whole places, a playhouse is a big deal. Oh, it is a big deal. Yeah, you know, I mean, to yeah. people uh, in show business, that's a cathedral. You know, what I mean, like it this really is. If you yeah. think about the shows that have come out of there, uh, including Memphis and you know um, Billy Crystal. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff comes from there. Well, I wish you all the luck with it, and and if I if it, if it works out, I'll come back and and we'll talk about it. I would love to. If you'll have me. I would. I'd have you anytime. And for anyone who was out there who is struggling, and I talked to a lot of people who did, and I've had my own problems with it. I'm working my own sobriety, so I talk to people about it all the time. But I recommend your book to people who think that maybe I'll say to people who think that they can't unwind everything, they can't that there's too many tangles for them to straighten out. And I'm like, take a look at this book mm. and see what. You know, places you can pull yourself out of. Listen, my life is dependent on three doctors that I ran into. Mm -hmm. I had problems other than substance abuse. Right. I mean, I would... Alcohol was one thing I did excessively. Mm-hmm. There must have been thirty. Right. I mean, if you've thought of it, I you know I was doing it like that, but I I I had the money to end. I mean, I don't have much money anymore. Mm. But I had the money to end up in the hands of a couple of really great doctors. I I needed extra, so I don't want to say. I just want to make that clear. No, but see, the thing is, a lot of that stuff is symptoms because you do that stuff because you're trying to self heal. You know what I mean? You got involved in some things because you're like, I just want to change my feelings. Um, Yeah, that's kind of a broad overview. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I needed like a doctor who could get up inside my head and figure out what the hell was wrong with me. You know, like what? No, why do you act like that? Why are you doing this? You know, mm-hmm. and that they don't come cheap. No, but it took you a long time to get to that place, yeah. and then you battled your way out. And I think it's amazing, dude. And, and it's really, you know, it's sort of like you just want to be in the process, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not as good. Right, it's tough. The process does not go away. Right, you know, and sometimes like like you know, it goes. Sometimes you think, well, I got this thing licked. Yeah. 
I am, I am, man, I am leaving glowing footprints. When I walk, I don't think I need to turn the handle on that door to open it. I am powerful, and that's not a, that's not that's a good place, place to be. Uh, that's, that's all part of it as well. Daryl Hammond, thank you so thank much, you buddy. So uh, Daryl Hammond's performing at Caroline's on Broadway tonight through Saturday. Go to carolines.com. This is, this is one of the big shows that you go out and see, and you're seeing one of the guys who's, working it the way very few have and then the book God if you're not up there I'm fucked that's available on Amazon.com good to see you again buddy I'll see you next time coming through I'll see you through next time thank you sir thank you. and now ladies and gentlemen Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Sirius XM Comedy Hits Channel 99 Comedy fans, what's up? It's Jeffrey Gurionet for Sirius XM Radio, bringing you the four on one on what's going on in the comedy scene in New York, LA, and anywhere else I think is important within one minute. This coming Sunday, September 14th at 5 p.m., the ninth annual New York's Funniest Reporter Show will take place at the Comic Strip, the legendary comedy club in Manhattan where Eddie Murphy, Jerry Seinfeld, and Chris Rock all got started. Funniest Reporter is the brainchild of two PR gurus, Mark Goldman and Ryan McCormick of Goldman McCormick PR, and this year they're expecting a group of very funny reporters, Laura. Babcock from the New York Post, Tamara Holder from Fox News, Michelle McCory, CCTV, Polly Kreisman, New York One, Andrew Schmertz from Arise TV, CJ Papa from Fios One, and Brooke Baldwin from CNN, and I have the honor of emceeing the whole shebang. Did I really say shebang? Anyway, please come out and join us for an afternoon of fun. For tickets, go to comicstriplive.com. That's comicstriplive.com, and tell them I sent you. Anyway, that's it for me. This has been Jeffrey Grant for SiriusXM reminding you, you may forget a lot of things, but never forget that Comedy Matters. Follow me on Twitter at Jeffrey Gurren and on ComedyMattersTV.com for interviews with all your favorite stars. Shout out to Nick Roll. That's my one minute. I'm out. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits Channel 99. None of these songs ever have lyrics. I really think we could work on them. Daryl Hammond. Uh, nice to see him and happy that he's going to do the things the one-man play, his book. I'll tell you, if you read that book, you won't believe it. It's, there's some stressful, hard stuff in there. I know Daryl Hammond and I have both gone through a lot of similar things with emotional issues and depression in that. That's why sometimes, you know, it's... A little frustrating when Shelby won't listen to what I'm seeing here. But here's the thing, Fez. You have no idea the stuff that Daryl went through. Mm-hmm. It's physical. It's emotional. It's, there was brutality in his life. You know? Of course he drank and took drugs. How could you not if you were him? I might even start doing it just because I read the book. <laughs> no, I had to go out and cop crack. <laughs> don't, don't smoke that crack. I actually, you know, if I see a bad movie, I wanted to stop and smoke crack. Like, no, you, you don't can't. know what I've been through. I, I one time I did it for a TV movie. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Garian is hanging out with us. You went to the Joan Rivers funeral. Um, they said, well, Jeffrey always puts the fun in funeral. Yeah, but right. um, that was, you know, that was like a head of state. Yeah, it really was. It was. You should have seen how many cops were around. They had uh, Madison Avenue was closed off on Fifth Avenue with metal stanchions, 
and they had girls dressed in black with clipboards, and you had to be on a list to get in, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people lining the streets. It was really like a head of state funeral. It was uh, very tastefully done and amazing, the amount of people that came out and the, the level of talent, and it was just, you know, it was a true homage to, to Joan. Well, she deserved it. She absolutely did. She deserve deserved it. it. I mean, that, that's a... She hated people saying this when she was alive, but she's a show business icon. Show absolutely. business icon. Absolutely. And I think you did one of the last big interviews with her. You're unmasked on June 30th. Now I'm worrying about Daryl Hammond. Ugh. Actually, Daryl was saying to me um, afterwards, he goes, that the unmasked I did with him, he goes, it was enlightening because he did not know people would be laughing at the stories. And at I'm his like, pain. Yeah. <laughs> yes, your pain is very funny to the rest of us, Daryl. Well, he's hoping so because he's doing a one-man show. Is he? Know. Where at? The show? What did he say? The Soho Playhouse? Oh, I didn't hear him. He said yeah. Soho <laughs> you, are, you aren't paying attention? <laughs> yeah. La Jolla Playhouse. <laughs> Soho oh, Playhouse. That's Soho? <laughs> which, which Playhouse? La Jolla Playhouse. Oh, La Jolla Playhouse. Oh, okay. I could, that's right because he said that <laughs> Billy Crystal broke in his show. Oh, I didn't know that. Billy Crystal did one of these one-man shows? I'd love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> What's it called? Memphis? 640 <laughs> Sundays, I think it was something like that. That's as many Sundays as he's had his dad. That's what that was always uh, named after. Mm. Um, here's um, Chuck. Chuck, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, can you do me a favor? Can you put up a poll on the iBang and, and take a poll about whose voice is more annoying, Sam Roberts or Shelby? Oh, I don't want to drag Sam into this. Sam's got a hot new show that... Uh, Everybody's a buzz about. You'll hear him today at three o'clock. Uh, what's he called? Just the Sam Show. The Sam Roberts Show. Just oh, he adds Roberts to it. Sam Roberts Show. Yeah. I like him to do a character named Robert Sam's. Michael Sam's brother, yeah, right. straight brother. Uh, that's, what? Let's not get into the gay thing at all. Okay. That's something you've had to deal with in your life, as yes, I have, quite a bit of. When you're around somebody who's homophobic, can you tell even if they don't say? Oh, yeah. It's, I'm just going to ask you, Jeffrey Gurian, homophobic or not? Absolutely. <laughs> really? I never took him that way. There's a standoffishness there. I never, I never, I, never, I <laughs> and, don't and, believe it. And all it. the times that and, I hug you when I see you and I come across as homophobic? There's a hesitancy a, in those hugs. Oh, you're a hugger. I am a hugger. You're a yeah. hugger. I don't know any other way to do it. How about a nice manly handshake? Couple of fellas just seeing each other on the street. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I, I do that sometimes, but yeah, fist bump. There's something about that. <laughs> this was very funny. Yeah. Daryl brought up something, you know, about getting better, and he looks over at, at Jeffrey, and uh, Jeffrey's, and he says, "Jeffrey, am I, am I right?" And Jeffrey just look. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, it seems like you. You know, I just, I, was, I just wanted to listen to him speak. He's a fascinating guy, and yeah. you know, so much humility for somebody with so much talent. You know, he he reminds me. But what about me? I had a lot of fucking talent and a lot of fucking a lot humility. Of humility. Well, yeah. I, you didn't give me a chance to say that yeah. you're in that category. Oh, you oh, reminds me and of him you. and Phil Hartman. <laughs> okay, putting good. Putting them together in that group. <laughs> One dead, one crazy, the other one just struggling along and making as best they can. I think there's a Phil Hartman book coming there out. There is coming out. Yeah, yeah. yeah the life, uh, Something about Do You Remember Me? The Life and Times of Phil Hartman. I was working on a book about Phil Hartman and I called it I Never Met Him. Was just, really? Yeah, it was it, about It was, was going to be a bestseller if it ever came out. Right? Well, I think it would have been. I was writing a bestseller and never finished it. But I was just <laughs> writing about the times I saw him on TV. All right. And, <laughs> I and then I also said, he reminds me of this other dude that I knew from high school, and I would write a couple stories about that guy. 
So it's like uh, about your imaginary relationship with Phil Hartman? Well, you know, the relationship that could have been, that never was. That never, yeah, that never came to fruition. Um, Jim, you're on the run of show. Jim, we got, oh, God, they got their thumb on it in there. They're just they're going back, doing my thing. I don't know what's happened. Don't get angry with the interns like you got angry at me yesterday, Shelby. Try to keep it together in there. Yeah, we're, we're just talking level-headed, buddy, just like you are. We're all cool. Wow, the sarcasm when you try to help. Jim, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm psyched to hear Fez back, you know, level-headed and clear and, and fun. I'm wondering if he would be willing to go back and listen to uh, not-so-level-headed Fez deal with Kevin Nash. And well, Kevin, Nash, Kevin Nash is a wrestler. You probably mean Jason Nash. I'm not going to get into it with <laughs> Diesel. The outsiders? That's smart. Because that fucker cheats. He's got yeah, all. Yeah, another really tall friend. <laughs> They're so tall. They're part of a wolf pack. I guess if I had to fight any of them, it would be one, two, three kids. Oh, hell yeah. X-Pac. And then you don't even realize that he's like six foot. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You always think like he's five four. Yeah, he's not. He's just because he hangs around with a bunch of guys that are incredibly tall. Not, and I'm not blaming you on this. Yeah. But the last couple times you've been in, it's gotten tense in the room, Jeff. Serious, really? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Remember like the last time you were here? There was a big fight. I forget. No. Oh, those two. It was me and Chris. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I felt tension today, but I didn't know what it was about. There was a lot of tension today before you got here. It all happened. Oh, it's not you... my fault. See, no, I, no, no. Like, I always blame myself. I think I'm the cause, which is egotism. No. Right? To blame, to think that you're the cause of people acting weird. I felt like a vibe, like a weird... Everyone's nervous around you because, and we're going to do this off the air, we have yeah. some bad news for you. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But we're not going to do it on the air. Okay. That's cool. But it's the most horrible, terrible thing that's ever happened. And then we'll just leave it at that. Really? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. But, the, yeah, you were yeah. here for the big fight. Yeah. That one was Chris and Fez. And that's before you were new level-headed Fez that you are today. Right, yeah. And I remember at that at that at at some point during that fight, I was, like, just standing over Jeffrey screaming at Chris across him. I don't remember that. Yeah, that was pretty intense. When was the? I went into shock. Yeah. When was the Joan Rivers funeral? It was uh, September seventh. What's yeah. that you got with you? You just read. They give you these beautiful programs when you came in. You know, it was really. It was fascinating. I mean, who just sat next was, to Trump? No, I sat in the back by myself. I felt very. I just wanted to like really observe. You know, I got uh, there a little bit late. It was a weird scenario, and it was interesting that Daryl was here before this story because it related to it. You know, I I, uh, I felt like I really wanted to go and pay my respects, and I didn't know if I was going to be allowed in or not because there was a very kind of exclusive list. And I sent a message to uh, Joan's publicist and her assistant, and I didn't hear back. And you know, I'm relating to this to Daryl because he used to tell the story where he didn't hang out a lot at the end of SNL. Very often he'd leave because he didn't really felt like he fit in. And I didn't want to, you know, be aggressive or pushy or anything like that. I didn't hear back from them, but I really wanted to go. So I said to myself, you know, I'll I'll show up. And if they let me in, they let me in. And if they don't, they don't. That's all, you know. And so I went there and they had these women with clipboards and I gave them my name and they made a call and they said, yes, you're welcome to come. And it was, uh, but I couldn't find the spot 
to park because the streets were packed with cars, people waiting to get in. So I didn't get there for the very beginning. I came in when Deborah Norville was speaking, and I just wanted to sit in the back. I didn't want to make it like a thing, how you doing to everybody. I just wanted to observe and be respectful. Because I really cared for Joan, and it was, you know, so wait, you you weren't invited, but you showed up, and they let you in. Yeah, I didn't get an invitation. I came, you know, I went there, and my name was okayed. They called up to get clearance. Wow! And they said, yeah, and I, you know, I even walked away. I'm like, well, if they say no, no, and whoever they spoke to said yes, that he should be here. So I went in and. And it was really phenomenal. It was. Could you, know. you have done that, Fez? Could you have went up to a? No, I would never have the the nerve to do that. No, it, it I was mean, very difficult. But I, well, you like I had two choices. I've learned yeah. to confront my uncomfortability, and I had two choices: either not go and you know, and then miss something that was very important to me to be able to be there and pay my respects, or. To have the courage to say, well, okay, if they say no, then you just... I'm going to point this out to you, though, Jeffrey. It's her funeral, and her family's there in the morning. You come up in the door, and you're wearing wet swimming trunks and nothing else. (laughs) And then you knock at the door. Yeah, I I put on a suit. I wore a suit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so... It was was an amazing thing. So you you had to face your own fear just to do that. I do that every day. I confront my uncomfortability. So you can relate to Daryl. Yeah, really. I do. I, I do. And that's why I, I really respect the honesty that he shows. Uh, he's very honest. He's, he's brutally honest and talks mm. about things that most people would be afraid to say. And I say the same thing about Fez. I give Fez so much... So, so, you know, so right. props Fez, for being so I'm, I'm still too uncomfortable to walk up to a funeral. Uh, well, let's hear you say something brutally honest now, Fez. Let's see if you got the Daryl Hammond in you and you can say something brutally honest. Um, I will brutally, honestly say um, I don't like Shelby and I think he should get some help. That's honest, I guess. But wait a minute. What I was talking about was honesty about himself. That he he shares parts of his own life that would be difficult for some people to say. As much as I don't like him, I worry about him because I see things in him that I see in me that have gone too far. Mm, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that's if that's, that's that. more what you were looking for. No, well, that's really insight. Well, because, I mean, you're you know. not real. I mean, he's not grading you, Fez. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I don't want you to feel feels great. Like he, yeah, he don't. <laughs> he didn't reject you. He just rejected your thoughts and the way you put them together. That's why I tried to re-put them. Were you uncomfortable with him saying I don't like Shelby before he said I want him to get some help? Yeah, this is a level-headed Fez now. His new meds have got him level. But you want a brutal honesty. I don't want to act like, you know, Shelby's my best friend, and that's why I'm so concerned about him. I am concerned. You think Shelby does a good job, but... No, I don't think he does a good job. Well, you think he's a good person, but... No, he's an awful person. Well, you think he can improve, but... No, I don't think he's going to go very far. I don't know what I'm going to do with this, then. This is really honest. I'm just trying, yeah. Unless help is is involved at some point. This is why I don't like honesty, you know? I grew up where you couldn't be honest because honesty was the equivalent of hurting someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. So my palms are very sweaty right now. <laughs> you don't like I honesty. No, I have to get used to it. I think it's important. I think it's good to be able You're to say You're just hoping it. that Fez doesn't decide to be honest about you because, you know, he'll crush us all here. Right, exactly. Um, 
Here's uh, Frank. Frank, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Hey, um, Jeffrey Gurian. Ron asked you a simple question. Did you go to the Joan Rivers funeral? Instead of just saying yes, you turned it into a story all about yourself. Kind of rubs me the wrong way. Well, why would that rub you the wrong way? uh, It wasn't wasn't about paying respect to Joan. You made it about yourself. You rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know where that comes from. I don't either. You People faced your fears. Where I, I faced my fears. Was the was the point of the story? It had nothing to do with that. It was about, you know, I could have easily said, "Oh yeah, I was invited," mm. but i I wanted to I wanted to tell that because what Daryl what had happened with Daryl was was important to me. For him to be able to say something like that is honest. Some people sometimes they feel awkward in certain situations. Chris, when would you go to this Daryl Hammond thing with me? To the to the, the La Jolla. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go. And when he's telling one of his most, you know, just gut-wrenching stories from his youth, and you said he's been tortured as a child, physically mm-hmm. tortured. Yeah. Would you join me and we'll go, Daryl, <laughs> Daryl. <laughs> and it's a very sports thing. That's an, What are you doing over there, Chris? Some fell. Don't break Opie's chair again. I'm not, I, I'm not breaking Opie's chair. That hasn't been an easy week on anyone. Um... Hey, Shelby, could you say something nice and honest about Fez? Jeez, I'm going to need a couple of weeks to okay. think about this. All right. Um, that's one way of dealing. Uh, Rich, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, just uh, amazing comments by Jeffrey Gurian. Jeffrey, you faced your fears by crashing uh, a funeral. I. Yeah, I didn't crash. Listening I was to yourself? given permission to attend. There's a no, big difference. No, you couldn't no, sneak you, into you didn't that have funeral. an invite. You you at, you reached out to ask for an invite. You didn't hear back, so you took it upon yourself to show up and then put somebody in the uncomfortable situation of saying yes or no to letting somebody into the funeral. I mean, dude, that's that's a little bit much. Hey, love the show, Ronnie. Thanks, but um well i mean they could have easily turned you away right yeah, jeffrey for sure. absolutely i mean they had People security right yeah. tremendous security yeah so i mean if they wanted to they could have shot you in the leg or a stun gun they could have tackled me and yeah. me to the ground yeah chris would you want up to the funeral if you weren't invited no i wouldn't have done that i would have tried to jimmy in through either a side window or a back door or what I was going to do is I have this friend, right, that I was going to put on my shoulders, and we have a long coat, and he had a mustache, and we were going to both try to get in there together that way. Yes, we're here for Miss Joan Rivers' funeral. It was a lovely uh, uh, funeral, though, huh? Yeah. I saw and, the and pictures you that you, what, uh, and then, you have up on the iBang. It's gorgeous. Well, and then Hugh ja- well, it was covered with white orchids, and then yeah. Hugh Jackman performed and uh, sang a song from a Broadway show. And during the song, uh, during the song, he got everybody on their feet applauding. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was a, there was a lot of humor. Uh, Melissa got up and said funny things. Cindy Adams said a, a bunch of funny stories about Joan. You know, and um, it was very lighthearted. I guess the way she would have wanted it to be. That's nice. Yeah, it was nice. And you know. Now- he tells me this uh, story. About, uh, you're, you're all misty from this. Place. Yeah, that was yeah. touching. I was... Yeah. And then at the end, they had the uh, the, the fife and drum corps from yeah. the police department, which was very moving. Yeah, you know they came out and like all pomp and circumstance. And Do you they, know what they were playing? Yeah, they played New York, New York. They played Amazing Grace. 
is what they play it. And I was laughing because I said, you got to be a little Christian there for a while. When You know, when a Catholic <laughs> cop dies, those guys will come and play Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jeffrey's singing New York, New York to Amazing <laughs> no, they, Grace. They play New York, New York. And they march <laughs> These that, little town blues. They marched out of the synagogue onto Fifth Avenue playing them. Oh, that's so sweet, though. It was very moving. The whole thing was very moving. It touches me. That's how we ended my father's funeral. With New York, Seriously, New York? really? Amazing Grace <laughs> on with a piper. Did you go like this? This is wonderful. They're playing New York, New York. Just like a Yankees game. You never heard the song Amazing Grace before? Sure I have, yeah. How's it go? Oh, I can't sing. These little town blues. <laughs> That's it. That's the song I heard. Um... Here's uh, Sean. Sean, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. I noticed when you asked Fez if he would be able to do what Jeffrey did, Fez didn't say he wouldn't have the balls or the courage or the confidence. He said he wouldn't have the nerve to do what he did. Kind of a, kind of a backhanded compliment towards Jeffrey there. No, I wouldn't be able to get my nerves in place to go do what Jeffrey did. If I should have said the word gumption... Uh, Jay Lawson wants to know why you drove to the funeral because it was like a ten minute walk from your house. Because I was Jeffrey, going someplace afterwards. And yeah, I Jeffrey takes the white jag out. You don't drive over here because there's nowhere to park, right? Yeah, there's nowhere to park. No, I was going someplace else. Midtown needed to have my car with me. Yeah. It's impossible. And I didn't expect it to be that crowded, but well, the streets were closed off, and it was really. Oh, I knew it was going to be. Yeah, I knew the fans would show up and all. And it's weird to say that you're happy, but I know Joan would have loved. That it got the coverage that it got, you know. And that's why I was so mad when the tape came out and, you know, showed Ray Rice punching his girlfriend. I go, this is going to knock Joan off the front page. <laughs> you know, I, I was hoping Melissa would punch somebody. And now it came out that they sent that tape in earlier and they just ignored it. You didn't eat too much off the buffet, did you, Jeffrey? Well, these are delicious. <laughs> Tuna. What buffet? You know, you went to the after party, right? No, no. No. I just left. No. Afterwards. You remind me of Daryl Hammond now. You don't, you know. I just leave, yeah. I just. You low s- key, very low key. You said in your article, though, that you saw Dr. Oz and you knew Dr. Oz before. Yeah, he had operated TV. on my mom. Well, he, you know. That bastard. He had he had an incredible. Uh, well, it was he he was legally <laughs> licensed operator. Right my oh, mom. He didn't okay. just do that like Good. because he had nothing to do. Oh god, she needed so triple better. bypass surgery, and he happened to be the surgeon. And I had been reading about him because I was fascinated by his work because there was a story that when he would do heart surgery, he would hold the heart in his hands and he would speak to the heart, which is a very what was powerful he saying thing. To it? Whatever he would say, he would speak. Be like, and so, like you know, it's going to be okay. Whatever, whatever it is that he would say. Beat. Beat. Continue. Yeah. Isn't timing of the essence in those kind of operations? Take that sweetheart. Where my hearty heart? You would do it, aren't you? You would think that it would be. It's it's a very powerful technique to do that. Anyway, so we we got to meet at my way, mom's he, he bedside. He puts notes up to me, and he makes things, and he won't just say it into the mic. Now, Jeffrey, as long as I've known him, I say, talk into the mic. Don't write me notes. Don't say things. Don't click. It's driving me crazy. Maybe he didn't want to interrupt. What is it that you wrote down? Oh, we have to do road trip. Well, why wouldn't you say it? 
This is the place that we say things. Didn't want to interrupt Jeffrey. <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah, but well, all right. Suppose that we're all at lunch together, okay, right? Yeah. Jeffrey and I are talking. <laughs> and he's holding up the, a sign. <laughs> you hand me a note that says, "Don't forget, we won't have dessert." <laughs> Now that's funny. Put like that, it seems crazy, right? Thank you. But that's what, being respectful. But I would like all. to. Con- I like to consider this like we're all at lunch together and we're just talking. If someone has something to say, they say. Fez is very level-headed today. He's been honest. He's not angry. He's not weird. Shelby's gotten very quiet today. I accept that in him. He's in a locked-up place. Mm-hmm. Chris, I need you to join in. Yeah, you have some. Awful news very. for Jeffrey. The worst news ever. But I say after this show for okay, that. Okay. So just know. Okay. I'll be prepared right, now, right, for after uh, the show. Unmasked is coming up at 2 o'clock. It's a great one with Simon Pegg. But we just announced this from SCTV, which may be my favorite TV show of all time. Andrea Martin is going to be our next Unmasked. Go get tickets for that. That's Wednesday, September 24th at 6 p.m. here at the SiriusXM studios. Um, and yes, Jeffrey drives around town. He's never said that he doesn't. I've been in Jeffrey's car with him before. I saw Jeffrey's car outside after the Florentine mass. It was amazing. Oh, it's a great car, right? And it's awesome, yeah. yeah. It blew me away. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I went uptown with, way uptown with him to get gas while hookers were yelling out, You left the cap open! <laughs> <laughs> screaming at us. Yeah, either I lose my car or I forget to leave something. You know? Who was the, 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 the two girls doing the show that was so funny? Someone sent me a clip of a podcast with two girls wondering whether you buy your dates. Oh, my girls. Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson. They do this show called Guys I Fucked. They're very funny. They're and very I'm, funny. Yeah. And they did a thing like Jeffrey's always with beautiful women. We don't know whether he's paying for them, whether that would ruin or not. Oh, but that's you, so funny. You claim you never pay for your women. Never have. No, never? she knows me. Corinne, Corinne was my assistant for a while. We worked together. She's great. They're both very funny. No, they know that I don't do You that. have assistants? Yeah. That's great. You're living the life. All right, you want to do road trip, right? Yeah. I want to take Jeffrey out on a road trip because we got your car. We'll all pile in together. Oh, yeah, yes. and camping is my big thing, too. Oh, you... Yeah, oh, I love to camp. Have you... You know what? You don't have to... You don't ever have to camp because there's always a Wyndham nearby. Good. But you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I don't camp. I, I'm like you. I camped when I was younger. Yeah. And now too. I want a hotel... With a private bathroom and a shower. Ne- yeah. Yes. And then, I'll, you know, sometimes I'll call down the front desk. Yeah, could you have somebody bring me up a campfire? Thanks. And some children to sing camp songs. Yeah, New York, New York. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> Did, was it Amazing Grace or New York, New York? You know what? It could have been Amazing Grace leading into New York, New York. But it definitely was New York, New York. There's no question about it. So yeah. doesn't seem like a few. But she was New York. God, I love Joan. Yeah. All right, this wasn't the one at my dad's memorial. <laughs> and, um, I got up and uh, sang a song at... at Fez's dad's memorial, and it was a song that his Did you dad bagpipes too. Or just well, no, song, I just huh? sang, and there was a song I wrote uh, called just for the occasion called "He Was So Ashamed of His Son." <laughs> And oh, um, beautiful. People jumped to the, they were clapping and jumping up and down. It was a showstopper. Yeah, and his sister yelled out, "My dad would have loved this!" And then she pulled her shirt off oh, and started playing, playing with, with her, yeah, <laughs> playing with her nipples. It was a weird. The shirt was, was already a, up before you sang. Well, that's because of something that happened. But the important thing is, 
Let's take Jeffrey on a road trip. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. It's a Ron and Fez road trip. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun, and you're going to have fun. <laughs> All summer long, tell us where to go and what to do to make an unforgettable road trip experience. Brought to you by Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, part of the Wyndham family of brands. There's a Wyndham waiting. All right. Now, we don't have to camp, but I want us to go to a national park. I'm down. And Jeffrey, I'd love... I'd, I never see you around nature. You know, I always see you in the city. Mm -hmm. But you go upstate, right? Yeah, I love going upstate. I love nature. Let's do, you, do that. Have you been a, in a canoe? Sure. You, well, rowboats. Not, not, okay. Yeah, do I, you I, fish? I like to row. I have fished in the past. Do you yeah. bow hunt? I cut worms. I, I mean, do, I would love... I love archery. Yeah. Yeah, I love All archery. All right, this will be great. Yeah. It's working out. Now, will you be down on this trip? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not around nature a lot, but yeah, I'm down. Fezzi, are you in? Um, I'll go. I have never camped, fished, hunted anything. <laughs> All right, now you know he drives a Jag, so four of us are going to be packed. But I love Shelby to go. Shelby's not going to go. We'll just have, no, we'll have no room for luggage. He, <laughs> he no, would ruin the trip. We don't change. Oh, we don't change. Yeah, oh, like that's cowboys. perfect. That's the kind like, of trip we'll just, I like. Yeah, we'll just put like leather bags on the outside of your car. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll bring saddle some, bags yeah. across the top. That'll be a good look. I'll bring some jerky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's the only meat we're going to have out there. On a national park, we could take Jeffrey Gurian in. If we like your suggestion, you go into the big-ass prize closet, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I've talked about this many times before, and I honestly believe it. One of the few things that makes me feel super patriotic, really makes me mm -hmm. proud of this country, is the national parks. The Grand system. Canyon in particular? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> the Grand Canyon, uh, oddly enough, there, there's so much beauty in this country mm -hmm. that I can't think of a, of a park, even a state park that I've been to before, but I haven't loved. Where do you think we should take Jeffrey Gurian? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Chris, is there a part of this country that you'd like to go to? I'd like to go out west. I agree with you now, too. I mean... All right, I got a place for you. Okay. This is a place that I think that all of us would go to, and we would love it. Now, the problem, Jeffrey... Yeah. It's going to be about a three or four day drive in that <laughs> car of yours. We got time. What's the mileage on that thing? Well, I'm shotgun, no matter what. <laughs> Jeffrey doesn't let anybody drive his it. car. But my place that I think we'd love... Put this up, Fez. Glacier National Park. Is that Alaska? No, it's in, I believe it's in Montana or Idaho. Look at these pictures. Oh my God. Look at this. That war looks like a mirror. Yes. That's you know crazy. why? This is That's... what we're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, clear skies. Chris, you're going to, you'll hack up phlegm for the first two days. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And then you're going to feel great. You could dive into this water and drink as you're swimming underwater. Really? It's wow. so pure. Yeah. And... Where exactly is it, Fez? Glacier National Park is in Montana. Montana. On the Canadian-U.S. border. Yeah, so it's high up there. Great, then we can rappel down into the park. Well, I don't know why you think that we rappel because it's Canada. We're just <laughs> going to go into it. And look at these. Look, look at, at that. I'm swearing, I swear to you, we're going to get out there. We're going to feel like new people. You know? I need that. Yeah.
I, I can't wait to go to Glacier. No. I got up there one time, and it's just so beautiful. And I remember as I was smoking angel dust, and it was right before I shot up some heroin, I said to myself, this is so stress-free. Why are you dusted yeah. in a park? It's crazy. No, you For the experience. Look at this place. Now, I just want to point something out to you guys. Yeah. This is the United States of America, the continental United States of America, and we don't even know it. We don't even uh, understand it. Here's Rob. Rob, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, uh, we got a Mahoney State Park over here by Omaha, Nebraska. All right, so you're going to a state park in Nebraska. Oh, yeah, they got everything, fishing, everything. All right, let me take a look at some of these pictures. Now, first of all, I'm looking at the pictures. Are you sure this is... Okay, Fez had us on the wrong place. Fez was in Utah. All right, I'm looking at this, and I, I'm sorry, but I no. wonder if my GPS will go to Omaha. You no. Think? no, Nathan, <laughs> Nathan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Suck some fires out in that thing. <laughs> Nathan. Yeah. Go ahead, buddy. All right. Well, I got this beautiful, beautiful national park. It's, it's called Lake George, New Jersey. Well, Lake George, I thought was in New York. Yeah, that was upstate, by, uh, like above Albany. I know uh, Jeffrey played the Playboy Club there back in the old days. <laughs> Remember when you were watching a game show? And it was always Burke Conby. And you'll be able to see me this weekend at the Lake George Playboy Club. And I'd be a kid and I'd be thinking, nothing can be cooler than the Lake the George. The Lake George Playboy Club. Yeah, it just seemed like mm-hmm. the, the best place in the whole world. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It's a road trip. We're taking in Jeffrey Gurian's beautiful white jag, and Fez, you're in on the road trip, and you get nervous around. Ner- I get nervous traveling because I'm oh, even if I'm not driving, I'm afraid we're going to get lost. Yeah, uh-huh. I have a huge phobia. Me of getting too. Lost. Me too. That's why I depend on my GPS. That's why I said, well, my no GPS, GPS on this dude. Oh, you really? Can't, really? We're going to rough it? No, it's not that. I well, we're in these national p- parks. Yeah. yeah, there's no cell service. Oh, really? Wow. It's that deep. I mean, these national parks... We're going deep into the park, huh? Yeah, I mean, they're miles and miles and miles. And, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, back when the when there wasn't even a lot, you looked nervous already. I'm getting my head. <laughs> I'm palpitating a little yeah. bit. Well, We're just talking about it. I'm nervous. We're going, I'm thinking, I hope I don't slip anywhere. You're Look, driving. It's a glacier, right? Yes, it's a glacier. I, what, what I'm going to do, fall, right? I'm going to tie a rope to you and then one to Fez. So either one of you falls, this be a very the other fun. one will be able to hold on. It's like a fucking cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> This would be a uh, funny movie. I think it's really The four funny. of us in the wilderness. Yeah, I that feel would bad be. Shelby's not coming. He can't go. He's Why? antisocial. I, when Shelby goes and gets therapeutic help, then he Shelby can go on the next Wyndham Road trip. I just feel like I want Shelby there. He's being so quiet today, too. He's in the lock zone. There's friend zones. He's in the lock zone. I didn't know about that. I'd like to get that, a little bagel in lock zone. The box is a lock box. L-O-X or L-O-C-K-S. This is a good lock zone. It's not too much locks. I like how Jeffrey thought we were roughing it in a jag. Well, we're taking his jag. In the woods. Yeah, I mean, we are definitely taking the jag. But when we get out there, the GPS is not going to work. It's not going to work for sure, Your cell phone is not going to work. No. That's These scary, things are man. enormous. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, Jason in Jersey, go ahead. Guys, one two five eight nine. Oh yeah, buddy, that's old school. Hoo-ah! 
Yellowstone because it's got the most thermal features anywhere in the world. And not to mention, I think with you four guys, it's nice to know you're not the top of the food chain out there. You've got mountain lions, grizzly bears, lot on, lot on your plate, and it's just the most beautiful place in the world. All right, I'm looking it up now, Jellystone, and I just see a picture of a cartoon bear stealing somebody's uh, a picnic basket. I don't uh, think Jason, that's you're going into the big ass prize closet because Yellowstone is one of the places we have to, to hit, and it'll be on the way to Glacier. Yeah. All right. Now, you see this, Jeffrey. Yeah. Fez, you got to see so that Jeffrey can see the falls. We're oh, that going looks beautiful. To, we're going to take that in a canoe. We're going to ride what? that fucking down. You know, a canoe or a raft? Well, we can kayak can, it. You're a kayak, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, when you're in the kayak, you guys ever kayaked before? Never. No, no. When you spin over and you're stuck upside down in the water, don't panic. Because you're going to eventually... It's going to eventually you'll come back up, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. But so for a little while, hold your breath before you go under. You know, how about if we start out simply like in Central Park? I'm not going <laughs> to National camp. Park. We got cell <laughs> service that's, there. That's a bit, yeah, that's what I'm saying. My GPS will work. We could just start out gradually See, and build up to those other parks. I don't think you understand what a road trip is. We're going to get out there on we that road. We could drive all over Manhattan first, Jeffrey. We're yeah. going to find ourselves out there. Oh, okay. And all not right. these ourselves, some other ourselves that we don't know yet. Okay? The other sides of ourselves that yeah. we're se- that we're seeking. Yeah. And yes, okay. we're going to have some bad times. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a knife fight between us. <laughs> Somebody will be screaming. That's why I'm thinking Fez is so stupid. You want to bring Shelby. You want to have somebody who's even As a sacrifice. More, yeah, more annoying than you on the trip. I know this. I can tell on this trip, me and Chris will get very close. <laughs> 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 These motherfuckers aren't helping That's at all. for sure. I'm going to kill somebody. It's going to be fun. This Ranafez Road Trip's brought to you by Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, part of the Wyndham family of brands. There's a Wyndham waiting. Kevin, you're on the Ranafez Show. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey, listen. Uh, you guys should come up to Providence. We got Roger Williams National Park. It's the, actually the uh, smallest national park in the country. You can get from one end to the other in about three minutes walking. I've but never even heard up, of it. Is he saying Park? Yeah, Park, because yeah, he's from New England. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's on a street. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Is it a national park for real? Yeah, it really is. That's and great, And it's uh, right though. in the middle of Providence, so you can say you went to the park, and then uh, you can just go up to Federal Hill, get some of the best restaurants in New England, and uh, you know, call it a day. You're good to go. Plenty of hotels. Providence is a cool city, man. Thanks. Marvin uh, in Montana, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, Glacier Park's in my backyard, but you got to get here before this time of year. The last couple of days, they've got snow and starting to shut down. They're like going to Sun Highway. If we get snowed in up there, dudes, and I'm not even kidding when I say this, we're going to have to live through the winter okay. until we make it into the spring. And we're definitely going to have to kill some animals. Animals, for live. sure. I'm yeah. down yeah. with that. Yeah, we'll really help you out on all that. Where do you live, Marvin? What what town do you live in? I live in a little town called Eureka, just right on the Canadian border. First one on Highway 93. Boy, that's up there high, dude. That's up there high. It's beautiful. You'll you'll never want to leave. I know. uh, Like Lately, I've been thinking about just like a Montana life. Uh Uh-huh. And... Go to, like, Livingston, Montana. I called the other day, seeing if anyone needed a morning show there. Really? I oh. thought... <laughs> you asked for a brochure from no, the... No, uh, <laughs> no, I called up, and yeah. I go, you know, I, I already do a national radio show. I know you got some, you know, some small stations there. I'll, look at this town. Can you imagine? It's a cool town. There's a nightlife. 
There's partying and oh, shit, wow. but the mountains are right there. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Look, There's great s- restaurants along this area. You know, um, who has a Letterman has a place near there. He's got a place, and so does um, Michael Keaton. Oh, that's crazy. So I figured, like, I'd get a morning show there, and I'd be like, uh, hey, my guest today is Michael Keaton on the next on Mass. <laughs> Coming up, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg on Mass. That's at 2 o'clock. Can't wait for that one, Chris. Oh, no. Simon Pegg's amazing. Yeah, My buddies actually went um, fishing out there in that town, and they met Michael Keaton at, like, a steakhouse. They, were, they like, went on a fishing Was trip. it a steakhouse or a buffalo house? It was. A, what they told me was a steakhouse. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those... Are you a steak eater, Jeffrey? I could be. There's a yeah, steak... From time well, to time. There's a steak there the same size as your table. <laughs> and you got to sit down and eat like that. <laughs> Shelby, you're not interested in this all, at all. You're... you're str- Come over. You're struggling with the phones. You're not involved in the show. Yeah, I was just showing him how to get him up. So. But what is happening with you, dude? Where's your head today? You seem like you're on the bubble. Yeah, I'm just getting things, you know, in order in here. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest, it ran easier when Fez was over there. I offered to help with the interns. I got rejected, flat out rejected. And he's dead airing me now. I think that's a I'm, bad sign. It's locked zone. 2.0 is fucking dead airing me. I can't believe it. I'm sorry, I did, all the phones were blowing up. I was just helping. Yes, I do a big radio show. You know, it's a national radio show. <laughs> Look, lines are blowing up is like a good thing. So, are we going to be able to stay at a Wyndham hotel when we go on this road yeah. trip? Yeah, yeah, there's a Wyndham. Oh, so we don't have to sleep out in the woods. Well, anything. I mean, we're going to stay on the outside of the parks. We'll stay in Wyndham hotels, and we'll stay in Wyndham hotels all the way out there. Oh, cool. They're going to give us a little deal. Nice. Okay, I'm going to work it out. I know you like a deal. Yeah. Um, well, because you got a big radio my, show. Yeah, my friend told me there'd be a deal. Yeah, bring your bring all your credit cards too, because I don't know what exactly. I don't like to I don't like to take my cards with me. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they won't even let me have one. It, so it makes it bulge in your pocket. You know, I know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I could lose them like or whatever. That, yeah. Of course. And then we'll get back here to New York and we'll divvy up and work it all out. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I'll it's be fair. Like this. I know I didn't have the ham steaks, so I'm taking that off of mine. Right. Yeah, guilty. All right, that'll be Fez with a ham steak. And Chris, you'll bring your skinning knife, of course. Oh yeah, I have plenty of knives at home for the animals that we catch. We're not going to catch them. Oh, we're not going to. We're not hunting. Well, we you don't catch the animals. What kind of road trip is this if we're not you, hunting? You're going to kill them. You're not going to. You don't <laughs> oh, catch them. Oh, just killing them. We're not going to eat them. Fucking hide and seek. No, we're going to. It's just a murder. Kill. Thing. No, it's not murder. It's food. This is what food man does. Oh, yeah. You look like a nervous wreck. I'm. This. A, I'm yeah. We're doing this. What's happening? Yeah, I, know. I can't wait. This will be Jeffrey. Getting Day children. four of this awful trip. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even call it in because you'll be with me. So yeah. I have no one yeah. to even report to. Um, you know, call me when I'm in the back seat. Yeah. Hello, Ron. Yeah. I, I want to tell you what's going on today. I managed to, uh, you know, I, did, I saw Hannibal Barris the other day. He was doing great. Jumping around. I caught a caterpillar. You're yeah. going to really be jumping around. I'm going to jump around. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Literally. Um. Here's uh, Jim. Jim in Ohio. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, um, a good topic. Hey, I've been out to Glacier. It's awesome. And uh, Yellowstone's awesome. Grand Canyon's awesome. But uh, if you guys actually want to drive from New York, you could head up the coast of Maine to uh, Acadia National, which is up near, uh, like, Bar Harbor. And uh, it's a beautiful drive on the way up there. And then it's a, it's a really nice uh, park up that way, too. 
yeah, I know that area very well. It's uh, well. Look at it here, Jeff. You might like this a little more. There's moose there too. Oh, cliffs. Well, no, because yeah. I'm big on cliff diving. This would be great for me <laughs> because you know. I could see myself just going off. The, that looks unbelievable. Just having Jeffrey going like this. How far away is the cliffs? I need to dive today. <laughs> right. I, I'm just in the mood. Every so often, it just overtakes me. And then I occasionally, cliff diving. when the urge hits, we'll have to take Jeffrey into town to see where if he can find at least one black woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Very have to look. tall. Yes. I just find they yes. just they just find me. I don't even so have to So you're look. saying tall black women just love you. They find me. I don't and you're know not what paying them. Absolutely not. Never did that in my life. That's an insult to the women. <laughs> It is. It really is. <laughs> to say that, to say yeah, that. No, is. they're all very, really well, I nice. I never thought they're that you really paid nice. until I heard that uh, podcast. No, they were kidding. They, those girls know me personally. They know. Yeah. They know the truth. Uh, here's our friend Holly in Seattle. Holly, where should our road trip be? Well, I'm on a road trip right now. We're on our way. We're on our boat, actually, on our way to the San Juan Islands Historical National Park in uh I don't know where the hell it is. It's almost in Canada, but that's where the orca whales come in to uh, pod, and it's the season for them to come in, so we're going to go up and look for some orca whales. Have you ever seen one like that close? I did last year. Um, I had some friends up from Florida visiting, and we went on one of those cruises, a whale-watching cruise, and we yeah. went out to the San Juan Islands, and we did see some whales, and it was about around this time. But this time, my boyfriend finally got our boat running. We have a cabin cruiser. We got our three dogs. We got a shit ton of food, and we camp. It's like water camping is what he's calling it. So we're on our way up. We're, we camped out last night. We got about a couple hours to go today. We're just laying back listening to Ron and Fez and watching the seals. There's all these little seals and they're flying by and eating fish and all that. It's awesome. Dude, you're living the life. I, I wish I was with you right now. I'm loving this. Well, I'm going to get Jeffrey you, up there. Yeah. You're you're welcome to come up and visit anytime. We okay. have a spare room and we got the boat and it has a bedroom and it has a bathroom and a kitchen on it. So well, I go off the side of the boat. That's my thing. I mean, I with the orcas. Yeah. You swim with the orcas. <laughs> no, I'm just going to stand and take a piss off. I'm not going to dive down with you. You know how cold the water is. It's perfect for me. That's why I want to do cliff dive. I love ice water to cliff dive into ice water. If you dive into this water, I think you probably have a minute and a half that you can live. You could do a lot in 90 seconds. Yeah. Everybody's like, aren't you afraid of falling in the water and stuff? And I was like, I'm more afraid of... If I fell in the water, I'd probably die of a heart attack before I would drown. Yeah, you 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 don't know this kind of cold. Mm. I mean, you'd have to, at the very least, be in a wetsuit, and then you only have so much time. That's perfect for me. Yeah, okay. Because I he love the challenge. It. He loves it. Yeah. Well, if I see any whales, I'll tweet you a picture later. Okay, do that, honey. I ha- I, ha- I have a sweater, Bye. and I'll bring that with me. <laughs> um... <laughs> Most of the time that we're traveling out, and we're going to be going at least four days before, three, four days before we hit some of these parks. Let's make this deal. We only eat at gas stations. Okay. No matter what happens. Sounds I'm good. I do that most of the time anyway. <laughs> That's why we can eat at the gas station. At the, at the little convenience fill. stores in the gas yeah. station. They have well, great whatever. stuff in there. Yeah, you they know, have great stuff. Some of them have restaurants. Mm-hmm. Some of them have restaurants. Uh, here's Matt. Matt in Canada. God, buddy. Hey, I. Uh... I'm going to Algonquin Provincial Park in Ontario uh, this week for a week of canoeing. Uh-huh. It's a great spot. And if you don't like the uh, the roughing it, you can rent the ranger cabins there. If you really don't want to rough it, there's a Killarney Lodge that's like five-star dining right in the park. 
That's where I'm going to go while the guys are eating at the gas station. <laughs> You're going to sneak away to the five stars. Five stars is actually one more star than I even want. It's almost too good at that point. Well, then you stay at the ranger cabins with the wood stove and the bunk beds, and you, you still got a canoe to even get to them. Um, all right. Sounds great. Thanks, man. Uh, would we go out on one of those canoeing trips where we canoe so deep that we've got to sleep along the lake? I want to do that. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Sounds fantastic to me. Where's your first pick from what we've heard so far? Because I'm still locked in the glacier. You know? The colder, the better. So you want to be as cold as you can as get? As cold as I could possibly be. I, I'm bringing a sport jacket with me. and. Uh, okay, good. And an extra wife beater. Yeah, <laughs> what about for you? That San Juan Island that came up looked pretty cool, watching the orca whales. Well, that's a boating trip, too, more than a camping trip. No, if it's you cold, want to camp if, on the island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we take the boat out to the island, then we camp on the island. If I get close enough to one of those whales like that, I'm fucking shooting. It. No, you can't. Yeah. No. It's, yeah, I can. They're fucking huge. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to miss. It's gotta be illegal. Who's gonna hear me? We're out in the middle of the ocean. There's no fucking wall. <laughs> There's gotta be some scumbag park ranger out there somewhere. Doing what? I don't know. I'll fucking pirate ship this thing. Fez, what about for you? Uh, the Acadia National Park in Maine. Jeffrey's got me obsessed with cliffs now. Mm. Yeah, cliff diving. You never did that? It's fabulous. Yeah. No. You did it across the, on the other side of the I do it all Hudson. the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I can't some, wait. You ever see those cliffs mm-hmm. over on the Hudson over there? Yeah, they're, they're huge. They're gigantic. Kids go up <laughs> it all the time. You see them running and jumping. Shelby, what about for you? I probably go to Yellowstone. That seems like the thing you like one of those things you have to do at some point in your life. It's almost hack at this point. You drive through yeah. the redwood trees. Yeah, I've been up to those the redwoods. Yeah. yeah. They're so beautiful. I have one in my house. Dude, They're it amazing. took me all day to cut one down. Oh <laughs> why were you cutting down the redwoods in a national park? To see what the oldest thing you could cut down was. But then then you kill it. It's it's that 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 too is illegal. What do you know? You Johnny Law? <laughs> you can't be going to the national parks fucking them up. He's an expert at maritime law, and uh, maybe I'm the only here yeah. one here who's got the balls to cut something down that's five, six hundred years old. That's terrible. I'm proud of it. Don't be. You should be ashamed of that. And there's no redwoods in Yellowstone. I don't know where you're getting that from. <laughs> there isn't. No. I thought that's where they are. No. Where do they have redwoods? In Northern California, up near Eureka. Up near my what? You never heard of Eureka, California? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> thought I meant Eureka. When I first, that's what I thought when I first heard it. All right, who's bunking with who? I'm bunking with Ron. I can't bunk with you. I'm just calling you sure. now. Sure. Thank you. I wanted to bunk with Ron. You're bunking with Shelby. <laughs> I am not bunking with Shelby. I thought I'm bunking with Fez to prove I'm not homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll prove it, all right. <laughs> <laughs> what I call you? Gonna do it. How do you believe you then? How much are you willing not to prove it? Uh, we're out of here in a couple of minutes, and it's unmasked with Simon Pegg. Unmasked with Simon Pegg. Also, Andrea Martin. Andrea Martin, unmasked. Uh, very, very soon. Uh, go over to the iBang and check that out. That's happening Wednesday, September 24th at 6 p.m. here at the SiriusXM studios. It's an odd time. It's an early evening. I know, but do I eat dinner before or after now? I say before. I don't like to sit there with a full... What do you go? Fucking early... Uh, what do they call it? Early, early bird special? Yeah, that's me. And will bang, bang later afterwards. Just getting bang. <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's double down on the dinners. 
You just did a fucking Robert Kelly line. Do we bang bang? <laughs> bang bang. Love it. Well, but also, Jeffrey, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Shelby, hope you're feeling better. I'm, I, feel I see Roe is worried about you being beat down, and then we ask you, why aren't you talking? He's not going to feel better until he goes to some therapy. Mm. He won't listen to me. I don't know what Jeffrey's opinion is on that. Physical therapy? That probably wouldn't hurt, but I'm talking about emotional therapy. Does it work for you? I'm still working on it. Seems like that's the last thing I should do. The last thing you should do is smart off to me when I'm trying to fucking help you. The last thing you should do is think you know everything when you've been in this business for two minutes. The last thing you should do is think that you know anything more than anybody at your age and your experience in this building. So out of all those three things, which is the actual, like, the last thing? You're the last thing. You're, you're going to be the last thing on everyone's fucking list around here. Because HR didn't want you in the building. That twice, through the internship and hiring you, you come off as a creep. I'm trying to fucking help you today. And you're fucking, you're honestly, I don't know where the fucking attitude comes from. Because you are nothing around here. You're absolutely nothing. You can talk about my problems all you fucking want, but I made it in this business. I've had decades in this business, and you can't even, you won't even listen to Chris, who knows twice as much as people that have been in this business twice as long as him. You won't even listen to that guy. Who has great radio instincts. You think you know it all, and you're just, I, I am just waiting for the day. I am waiting for the day because you're going to piss off the wrong person around here and you are going to be fucking shown the door and trust me on this, it's coming sooner than you think. Wyndham uh, Hotels, proud sponsor of Road Trip. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. It's a Ron and Fez road trip. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun, and you're going to have fun. <laughs> All summer long, tell us where to go and what to do to make an unforgettable road trip experience. Brought to you by Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, part of the Wyndham family of brands. There's a Wyndham waiting. Every road trip just happens. Somebody melts down. You were level-headed Fez today. Right up until the end. And then I just lost it. I will work on my level-headedness. That's something I need to work on with my therapist. Is there something you'd like to say to the kid now? Would you like to apologize to him? No, he's a fucking zero. He is zero around here, and he thinks he owns the place. And he doesn't. That's what I'll say to him. I'll let him know. Even though he orchestrated the entire Joan Rivers tribute, pulled that off. We heard that from him today. That was all him. Uh, yeah, he does not own Sirius XM. Yeah. What about you, Dead Air? I'd, uh, I'd just really like to know what that last thing was still. I heard three. I don't know. 
what he means by that. I don't thing. get it. He said the last thing, and then he said the last thing again. I just wondered what, like, the really the final thing. No one giggled at it at that when you said it the first time. I just heard a lot of screaming, so. Just wanted to double check. Can I hear a lot more screaming through your fucking life? You don't know how to fucking be a person. You don't know, you, you, th- I don't know where this attitude comes from. Of this ownership uh, where he thinks that the world should bow down to him. Mm. I don't fucking get it. Where this cockiness, you have earned zero collateral in this business. You have no credit. You have nothing in the radio business bank. And you still act like this. It's, uh, that's, that's insane to me. Go get some fucking help. Trust me on that. That's level-headed Fez. Jeffrey Gurian, great to see you again, my friend. Great to see you too, Ron, as always. Daryl Hammond, uh, go and see him at Caroline's. He's a great actor. I'm going to be there tonight. Yeah. Fantastic. Comedy Matters TV. And we'll be back with Unmasked with Simon Pegg. He's delightful, and he's going to teach you how to do all the Beatles voices. So Ron and Fez show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Comedy hits Channel 99. Hi. Simon Pegg. Hello. Thank you. It's good to see you. It's great to be here. Very happy to be here. You know, the last time you popped in this room, I think we, I was talking with Stephen Merchant. Merchant, that's right, yeah. yeah. I saw him through the window and I just kind of gate crashed. Yes, and then he said <laughs> that guy took all the awards. Oh, you you said that the office took all the awards It did, yes, space. that's right, yeah. Because yeah. the office was, the office and space came out at the same time and, you know, but it was a popular show. It wasn't as edgy or as cool as space. So, and those, <laughs> those shows never win awards yeah you know? but it's weird too like something like that would happen in the same year that, yeah you know? absolutely well actually it's spaced the first the, the second series of space came out uh the same year as the first series of the office because we ricky was in spaced uh, playing a character a little bit like david brent because we'd seen the pilot of the office and thought this guy's amazing you know mm-hmm. let's get him in our show and sort of look like we you know we broke him and uh, <laughs> and so i like to say that i discovered ricky gervais yeah uh, <laughs> someday you'll be put to death for that yeah. but, uh, <laughs> it wasn't my fault i didn't know what happened uh, i unleashed a monster onto the earth uh no he's fun and I, and it was it was a cool thing to have him as be part of it you know well it's kind of cool to go back and look at space now because there's enough time where you can look back and say you know, oh, I see where this ended up going, or Edgar's yeah, eye. Yeah. You know? It's 16 years ago now that we started making space, so it's kind of... Uh, I actually met... The other, there was a, a few years ago, there was a, a sort of slightly abortive remake that, uh, that happened here in the US, and uh, um, 
the, the the show was kind of like whipped away from us without we didn't know about it and it went into production and uh they made a pilot and it wasn't very good but the guy who played me in it is a, a, a really funny and talented australian actor called josh lawson he ca- i was in toronto film festival just i've just been there mm. and i was at this this party and i felt this tap on my shoulder <laughs> it was josh <laughs> and i'd never met him before and he just i just wanted to say i'm really sorry uh, <laughs> 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 so it was uh it was not I, yeah. I, we had nothing you know there was no ill will with any of the actors that participated they were just you know they'd got a job in the show and but but for us it was bittersweet and and because i think uh the, the show had a real uh, passionate following there was a, a huge sort of anti campaign it became sure. a very toxic thing i felt yeah. kind of sorry for the people involved i didn't yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it took steve carell a couple of years in this country before people would stop comparing him with Gervais, you know. I think, well, there was that kind of... The thing is about The Office, people always say, oh, well, why did they remake it? You know, it was so good. But the fact is, The Office, the British Office, was a show that was very popular in, in, in Britain and mm. with British people. And it, that doesn't mean to say that the American audience couldn't get it or appreciate it. But it was perfect to be reversioned so culturally it fitted, made a better fit for America so more people in America could enjoy it. You know, mm. it was nothing to do with... Uh, it wasn't underestimating the audience here. It wasn't sort of saying that the British version wasn't good enough. It was just a, a case of making it more available. And that's a show that's been reversioned in lots and lots of countries because it, it, it suits that. Space was very personal. It happened at a specific time. It was about me and Jess. You know, it, it, it didn't really lend itself to being... When you took the idea away from us, it was it was pretty kind of like... A standard sitcom idea, you know, a couple mm-hmm. pretend to be married. It was, you know, when you take Edgar and me and Jess out of the equation, it, it lost its soul a little bit. I'm not saying that we are anything special, but it, I mean, it, it was, you know what I mean? It was, it was a personal show. It, sure. it was taking the person out of the personal. And yeah. all that's left is all. Oh. When you do yeah. <laughs> but you did but you do go back and look and see like edgar you know in particular of seeing the camera move yeah on a tv show which is you know pretty rare but it's funny like for years they would say comedy exists in the two shot mm-hmm. comedy you know and you guys when you get together you never no work that way well Ed- edgar was always going to be a film director and, mm-hmm. and spaced was a kind of proving ground for him to try people often say why don't you make a spaced movie and it's because the point of spaced was that it was on tv and that that you saw these sort of grand cinematic things happening on television it was it was big things happening in small places that's what spaced was about but edgar was always going to graduate to becoming a filmmaker and a film that both he and i love and we bonded over when we first met was the uh, raising arizona coen brothers. coen brothers yeah and that is a film when you watch that you see the camera being funny you know you see it made yes. me think oh you don't have to just shoot funny people you can actually the camera can be funny you can tell jokes how you frame a picture how you kind of like return to shots how you that there, there's a whole spectrum of comedy which can exist beyond just the funny people you know and and it can come from the director his or him or herself and and that for us was our kind of template movie and whenever i'm asked what my favorite film is i'll often say raising arizona because there's not a setup line in the entire film. If you go back and watch that, every line is funny. Every single yeah, yeah, line yeah. you can set and laugh. And at. also the way that I mean, you see, often with our films, we 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 have you know we incorporate stuff. You you foreshadow things and you bring them yeah. back in. Raising Arizona do that all the time. Just the phrase "Okay, then" is, <laughs> you know, is in that film so much. Yeah, I, I I see that as one of the most influential films on me ever. 
And that's, you know, when you say that layered thing, it's why it's always tough when you guys get together and you bring, when you do a new film, because your first time as a viewer watching it, you're not going to get anything. So... It's like, you know... Uh, we, I, we get something. Yes, you, yes. <laughs> but I mean, you're not going to get everything. No, no, no. When I saw, all. you know, uh, World's End, I'm, I'm watching it, and it was like, what did you think? And I'm like, I, I really like it, but I don't think it's my favorite, because I'd seen the other ones 22 times each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, now, that's all, you know, I'm watching that all the time, because... I'm now seeing all the colors and putting all the pieces together. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I, and in, in this day and age when, when you can watch a film over and over again, you can own a film, you can choose when to watch it, how many times, you can, you know, you can choose what point in the film to start. We right. have this sudden ownership of film that we never used to have. Even in the VHS days, we didn't have it quite as keenly as we do now. You owe it to people now as a filmmaker to create a film which bears up to repeated viewing you know mm -hmm. if people are going to buy these things or download them or pay for them they ha it kind of has to be worth it you know and for edgar and i we love the idea of watching a film for the fifth or sixth time and going oh i didn't see that before right. you know yeah. and and so we'll do it we'll even put in sometimes we'll put in a punchline before a setup so that you can't get a joke until you watch it the second time <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah and, and it, it, yeah. it's 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 gratifying as a viewer to kind of also be considered not to be stupid <laughs> yeah. yeah so often these days you know you watch a film thinking you think i'm dumb right you know and and that's that's not always the best way to be treated so you guys always think we're making this for people who watch films the way we watch the coen brothers yeah you who want understand it and yeah. who, who want something a little bit more meaty i mean the, the worst thing you can do really is is Make a film which is like a firework display, which you you sure you go ooh and ah, right. but you walk out and you go, well, what did I just do? Yeah, you know that's kind of what the best thing that any film can do is make you think and make you kind of reconsider ideas that you have, or you know make you use your brain a little bit. It's a waste of an opportunity if you just sort of like put on a light show. I take that back. There is something to be said for pure entertainment. I mm -hmm. love pure entertainment. But sometimes it's nice to have something a bit more substantial. And yet there are certain filmmakers like Tarantino where I feel like they do both. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the first time you saw Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, you were like, this is blowing me away. It's nothing like I've ever seen. But then you end up arguing with your friends, yeah. going back to see it again. Yeah, yeah. And that's really what we like in film. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, you have to. I mean, you can't just sort of think, oh, people are like this on the fourth watch. You do have to make a film which you watch the first time and right. think, great. But when people said to me, you know, oh, I don't like World's End as much as Shaun of the Dead, I, I was kind of saying, okay, but watch it, live with it for as long as you've lived with Shaun, and then come back and tell me what you think, and then, I'll, uh, then I won't frown at you. And yes, and, uh, <laughs> and we forget. We forget how many times we watched... Shaun of the Dead already. It's you literally know? on every week in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it's almost frustrating to me. <laughs> yeah, ITV2 is a channel which just, it could, might as well just be called Shaun of the Dead channel. <laughs> How strange is that for you, though, that something that you've done with your friends, basically? Yeah. You know? Wonderful. And, and yeah. it's something that I, I never, I never, it never fails to kind of like thrill me that, I remember we did a, there was a, a festival in Los Angeles a couple of years ago, the Hero Complex Festival. They were showing films at the Regal and they did one about Shaun of the Dead. And to be in this huge historic theater in, in LA talking about this little film that we made, we didn't even know it would be on the British cinemas, let alone anywhere in the world. You know, we thought we might get a video release 
tops, mm-hmm. you know, and that it that it got the release. Thanks in no small amount to Harry Knowles and Ain't It Cool News, who he really right. championed the movie and, and, and got it a theatrical release over here in the States. And we knew that the American audience would take to it because we were speaking in a language that it wasn't like it was a very British film, but we took a very American idea. It was a, it was the Romero zombie film. That's part of the filmic DNA here in the United States, you know, and it wasn't anything that you guys wouldn't recognize. And it's also wrong to think that you can't recognize that's changing all the time now. In the last 10 years, that's changed with mm-hmm. BBC America and what have you. And, you know, the, the cross-cultural things that are happening with the US and the UK. But um, it's been it's lovely how, how people took to it. And, and when we started to hear that, oh, yeah, Tarantino likes it. And the best thing was getting the call from George Romero, who who watched it in a cinema in Florida with a security guard, which made me and Edgar just hoot with laughter. He's like, what, what's he going to do, steal it? Like, didn't we steal it from him in the first place? It's, kind of, it's a double standard. Um, and he phoned up, and, and I had this big, long conversation with him, and I was pacing up and down in my kitchen, like, so nervous. And he's such a sweet man, and, and was sort of saying how much he got a kick out of it, and he liked it. And I said, listen, the only thing, George, is that the, the reanimation time in our film is a little quicker than in yours, you know, because Philip gets bitten and he gets and he comes back to life like really quickly and i know in, in in dawn of the dead roger takes about half an hour before he comes around and i was waffling and waffling and there's this big silence and he went you know what simon i didn't mind Which was, <laughs> and i was like oh phew, phew but uh yeah that was a that was a real red letter day for us because it was like dad daddy approves and that's the kind of zombies you like you think that's his, that's, his the, that's, the, that's the only kind of zombie there is. Yeah. I don't. Any, any, the minute they start running around, they stop being zombies for me. You know? <laughs> yeah. Then they're like infected people. Right. They're like there's something else. The zombie for me, and I've said spoken about this so much. You know, one of the proudest moments in my life was uh, there's a very there's a lost gem of a movie that was directed by Bobcat Goldthwait called uh, World's Greatest Dad. Yes, it's fantastic. Starring the brilliant brilliant sadly late robin williams and there's a scene in the movie when he's talking to his neighbor about zombies and robin's character quotes me in the weirdest the one of the weirdest moments of my entire life i'm watching this film and the guy on the screen says well simon pegg says that and i was like whoa 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 what about about, you know death being an impediment and not an energy drink and that was uh, something that i'd I'd, uh, this big article about how you know it's hard to walk when you've got a cold let alone when you're dead i mean i can't run anywhere when i've got like a snivel so if i was doing it if i was trying to move around when i was dead i wouldn't be running anywhere do you know what i mean yeah so yeah i like the slow the slow it's it's far more poetic when you're the slow zombie is is inept and kind of sad the brilliant thing that that made romero's films so engrossing and and has made the zombie such a uh, an enduring phenomenon is that you kind of feel sorry for them as as a movie yeah. but as a movie villain they are the most sympathetic you know because they're us they're just us dead and that's a terrible shame and you see them in different walks of life romero would always have them like wearing you know washing up gloves or a clown or <laughs> these people that were plucked from their lives you know and you kind of you kind of feel sorry for them and he, he would also make his human characters sometimes a little less than sympathetic so you'd wind up rooting for the bad guy which is really really clever and the minute they start running and shrieking and <laughs> trying to you know it's like oh they stop being poetic they yeah. just start being like you know somebody jumping out and saying boo well what you did uh, what you guys did too and sean was showing how zombie like we are before yes we even get yeah. bit, you <laughs> yes. know and that was like was so great watching it that was one of the times it worked the first time 
time was like, is that it? Is this the zombies? No. Yeah. Suburban people. <laughs> I think, well, the, the, the thing about zombies is they're a great metaphor for us because they are us. Yeah. They're the walking embodiment of our greatest fear, you know, and they're us. And at that time, we were living in the heart of London, and it was a city where you could literally step over somebody who was dying in the street, as often you would. Homeless people, mm-hmm. you know, holding up their hands to you to, to help them, and you'd just, like, step over them and pretend they weren't there. And for us, that was like, you know, imagine if, would we notice if there was a zombie apocalypse? Right. You know, it would probably be halfway done before you thought, oh, God, it's zombies. Yeah. Uh, and so that was kind of the metaphor that, that it was for us. It was city living. It was the anonymity of living in a huge city and barely ever looking at anyone else in the eye. You, you, you have that here in New York. It's the same thing. When you live with a lot of people, you do your best to ignore them all the time. Yes. It's funny, the, 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 the countries that you, you go to where people have loads of personal space and everyone's very sort of like, hey, how you going? It's, it's sort of weird. You know, I find it. Being a Londoner, that that you have to untrain yourself. You have to start looking at people and smiling a bit. Right, more. as they're waving to you from a block away. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, what is it? What have I done? What do you <laughs> yeah, want from me? Yeah. We go to uh, you know Vermont here, and everyone's just talking to us all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, We're just freaked what's out wrong by with it. this place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm so glad that you brought up Bobcat, by the way, because I think his, as far as being an independent filmmaker, he's doing such great stuff yeah yeah and sometimes i think because his you know comedy career was known in in one way if he was just like a young guy and just making this and these films now we didn't know his past yeah i think we'd be hitting with the genius because people always go what the the police academy guy right yeah you know, yeah. Him? Yeah. yeah, no, he's very clever, Bobcat, and, and, and doing some fantastic stuff. And it's important that we have filmmakers making films with a singular voice these days. Uh, yeah. You know, we are, we do, they still exist very much. Wes Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, Peter Chelson, who directed Hector and the Search for Happiness, is a guy who has a, a particular way of making films that when you watch the film, you go, okay, that's right. a Chelson movie or whatever. It's important that we retain those filmmakers because so much of cinema now is you don't really know who the director is it's about the product rather than the process you know well you brought up hector and the search for happiness which when you really think about it for the human experience what else should we or would we be doing and yet it's almost surprising that so few films get made yeah yeah yeah, it's a weird thing i i was talking about with this about someone the other day we're living in a time when darkness is kind of like the thing you know it's it's very and not just in terms of it's not just fashionable everything's dark and edgy it's you know the it we're 2014 it's the we're, we're, we're a fair way into the 21st century and we have never seemed more doomed as a species i think we should be m- becoming enlightened and kinder and more evolved and more tolerant and yet we seem to be closing down all the time i mean this year has been insane when you look at the news it's unwatchable what's mm-hmm. happening around the world and and it's it's a it's a good time for a film like this because it's a very it, it wears its heart on its sleeve it's not dark i mean it has darkness in it because yeah. it basically says that happiness is part of a continuum that you we, we have to have everything we can't just be happy happiness exists as part of a, a system which includes loss and regret and misery all those things fear we have to have all of that but you know that's how that's how we can be happy if we sort of embrace that you know if you want the rainbow you've got to have every single color kind of thing mm-hmm. and um it, it is unabashedly sort of 
joyous this movie it's great to sit in a in an audience and watch it and feel everyone sort of like you know smiling and then you hear people sniffing because it gets a bit moving and then everyone walks out all sort of warm and fluffy if you give yourself to that if you go in there cynical with your arms folded it'll piss you off you know <laughs> but if you if you sort of go in there wanting to be happy I, it's been an amazing experience to watch it with audiences and have them come out all gooey. <laughs> so yeah. But it's funny because you're saying that's the same thing to life that you can't go in cynical with your arms crossed yeah, to yeah. life itself, and yet we're almost trained. We are to you, do that. You, now. You, the, 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 the message of Hector, and this is absolutely key. You can tell by how much I stuttered just then. Uh, <laughs> is that it's important to maintain a a contact with your childhood self and that's not to say you should be childish or it will be infantilized in any way it means that we have a very pure way of viewing the world when we're kids it's unadulterated by the burdens of adulthood by cynicism by experience it's really really pure when as christopher Plummer says in the movie it's a time when everything is just all right and sometimes it's really good to to take your situation where you are and try and view it through the prism of your childhood self and the easiest example i can give of that is that um when i got the job in star trek and i i for the first time when i put on my uniform and i stepped onto the bridge of the enterprise i tried to think of how i would feel about this if i was seven and the truth was i probably would have pissed my pants <laughs> yeah yeah but in the best possible way you know it's yeah. okay to be that happy about something it's okay to to view something in your life in a, in a sort of in a, in a childlike way and hector is a film about a man who has lost touch with that but it's narrated by a child and it's kind of it's joyous in that respect because it sees the world in big simple terms it's it's a fable and it's 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 a simplistic view of the world in, uh, arguably um but at the same time it needs that to tell the story that it tells you know what and so that immediately the theme itself drew you to to wanting to be part of the project because I, yeah kind of i got the job because i was at a dinner and and i was sat next to the casting directors and this happens in los angeles it's a strange place <laughs> i always say i don't live there i live in hertfordshire and i i kind of they, they don't make films in la but the, it all everything seems to happen there you know it's like you're in the stream if you're there you meet you bump into people in whole foods who, <laughs> who, who will give you a job uh, yeah, go, hey i was thinking about you for my film um but i literally sat uh, next to the casting directors and they said oh we were talking about you today and i asked them why and they said oh because of hector and the search for happiness they mentioned peter chelson who um made two brilliant films um back in the day he's made a lot of films two films i really loved of his were uh, hear my song and funny bones which are two very strange uh sort of um quirky tales whimsical in the best possible way um and when i heard peter was involved i was immediately interested uh i read the script and liked it and once you have those two things in place as an actor if you like the director and the script then of course you're going to say yes you know sometimes you just go for the director sometimes it's just the script but if both of those things are appealing then it's a no-brainer and that's how i got involved and then i you know um i we we took off on this crazy journey around the world and uh made the film last year because it really is around the world yeah because you were following his search but even from your way of saying you could you could do the search staying in your own neighborhood well, you the, know? the point of the film is is that i mean we, we, laughably i think we ask the audience to to, to sympathize with the, the least sympathetic society right. member <laughs> which is the white middle class male right the affluent white middle class. you think why should i give a shit about this guy <laughs> you know he has he's going out with rosamund pike he has two <laughs> computers he lives in a nice house 
the fact is, you know, depression, malaise, whatever, happiness, it's 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 non-discriminatory. You you can be affected by. We've seen this recently with people who use. Oh, they've got everything. How can they be unhappy? Yes. You know, and also we the character needs to have the wherewithal to be able to make this journey. So this very unsympathetic character outwardly takes off because he thinks if he travels the world, he might find what at what happiness is. Of course you know he finds out it's where he started but he had to get out of where he was to realize that there is a particular kind of numbness we experience in in affluent societies we're very lucky to not have to fight to survive every day we're very lucky that we have enough food and clothing and we have choices like television channels and things to eat and but the fact is it makes us very numb in a way because we have there's no context for our happiness we achieve a degree of comfort and we mistake that for being happiness and eventually that can become quite you know dangerous in a way because there's no way of you know you sit there with no danger to your life with everything you could possibly want and you think am i happy it's 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 a very strange situation to be in traveling to south africa uh, filming the movie there going to johannesburg to the Brazzaville Township, which is in suburban Johannesburg, to Soweto, which is still very much in the grips of apartheid. It's not anything that's going to go away for generations. Politically, sure, it's gone, but socially, it is. the scars are so, so deep. It's not like everyone suddenly goes, hooray, and all the black people move to the white areas, and all the white people move to the black areas, and it's great, we all live together. It's not going to happen. I was in a, I was in a gym in... in, in, in um, in Johannesburg, and I was looking around, and I said, "This is great, you know. There's, there's, there's black people and white people, and they're all smiling and they're laughing with each other." And I thought, "Okay, all the black people work here, and all the white <laughs> yeah. people are clients, you know." <laughs> but um, it was very interesting to be in areas where you'd see people happier, like in a shanty town, which uh, is it's called Brazzaville, and it still exists. It's 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 corrugated iron and cardboard and. A, a whole community living in this incredibly jerry-rigged, jerry-built sort of society. But we drove through there a few times filming, and I saw more smiles there, more genuine laughter there than I saw in the affluent part of Johannesburg, where everyone's a little bit tense and a little bit sort of nervous. That's not to say that destitution is the key to happiness. It's not. But if you if your life is in question... The, the 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 relief that that throws your emotions into is far sharper so you 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 know what hap- you might not be happy but you sure as hell know what happiness is because when you experience it you really do experience it because you know what the hell it isn't you know right and that's that's a real it's it's a really interesting argument because these people who have nothing and you know, who are living a daily struggle are paradoxically experience happiness on a more pure level than people that have everything you know right it's a bit good but then that start, throws up questions like oh wait so what should i do throw everything away and live with a gun to my head every day and i'll be happy no you won't but it does it does help you as a human being to kind of appreciate what happiness is well it, it made me even think of you know you were saying that happiness and comfort uh, don't necessarily line up. And what do we plan for our children? Comfort. As much as we can. Get your education, have a place, be comfortable. Don't yeah, take yeah, to yeah. I mean, the only thing that we ever really say to our kids is stop taking risks when they're little. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Don't not be dangerous. Don't climb up there. Don't run out there. Yeah, yeah. And then when, you know, they hit their 20s and they'll go, I'm just really not sure what I want to do. Yeah. Man. You know? It's funny how often f- 
second children are far more sort of um, capable and adjusted than the, the first children because right. first children are treated like glass. When you have a baby, yeah. don't sort of treat it like and it's going to die every second because it will yeah. grow up neurotic, yeah. you know. And then the second kid's like, yeah, what the hell? Because the mother's just chucking it around. It's going to be fine. Yeah. These things bounce. It's okay, you know. I, I was the third kid and and I could smoke at the dinner table. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, it's absolutely true. It's really true. He'll be all right. He's going to be home sometime this week. Weekend. He'll let himself in. He's, yeah. he's five. He can yeah. Do it. Uh, yeah it's a, my older brother and sister would, would go, what the hell? Yeah. What happened to you people? And they it's said, we're true. tired. We just... Uh, and also you learn. You don't... Yeah. There's, no, there's no manual. There are lots of manuals for parenting. But yeah. you can't learn... You, you only learn it when it happens. And so, yeah. you know, by the second one, you think, oh, okay, I'm getting good at this. You know, the first right. one's like a guinea pig. Yes. Who just winds up a bit sort of messed up and yeah. uh, self-harming. And uh, oh, it's dark. Um, <laughs> but it's... Uh, yeah, it's true. I, I think you're right about comfort being... We mistake things for happiness. We mistake yeah. amusement, entertainment, comfort. We kind of see these things... Because we're sold that as happiness. Yeah. In, in a society where we are essentially comfortable and, and, and not um, facing death every day, we're constantly sold things that will make us happy. You know, buy this, watch this, wear this. And, and really, that isn't what happiness is. Happiness is something else. I feel like it's... Doing something that you really, really love. I ha I've been thinking about the notion of success recently, and I, I think people uh, attribute sort of like fame and money to being successful, and that it, it's just not true. You know, it, it, those things can they can be fun and they can help. You know, you not experience certain hardships, but I think the true measure of success is being happy at what you do. So you can be shoveling shit, <laughs> and if that makes you happy, then you are a complete success. More successful than someone who is richer than Croesus and unhappy. Mm. You know, success is all about being happy. If you're happy in your life, and you can strive to be happy, you find a way to be happy, you are getting towards being a total success, and you shouldn't strive towards anything else, you know. That happiness is the goal. It seems like there's always some kind of service that has to take place, too. If you see yourself in service to either your own family or your community or whatever it takes to be, if you feel like you're doing something for somebody other than yourself. Yeah, I think that kindness is a great way of... That, that could possibly be a route to happiness. Yeah. Being kind is like... If you're kind to someone... You feel good about yourself, you know, and that sounds kind of selfish. You shouldn't do it because of that. But if you make someone feel good, then you feel good. And that's the kind of, that begets more and more kindness. It could, it could spread like a bloody lovely virus if we're not careful. I wish it would, you know, if we were yeah. all a little bit kinder to each other, a little bit more tolerant. I sound like a hippie, but it's true. <laughs> you know, it's like, it sounds, it, 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 things like this sound, uncomfortable in this day and age but it's it's a basic fact of humanity is that if we were all just a bit kinder to each other a little bit more okay to accept how each other feel if it, even if it's different to how we feel then that would spread and it's a simplistic argument but it's kind of true well i mean it's <laughs> it be sad you know, it's it's you know it's the golden rule yeah um you know jesus tried to get the same thing out and then they you see what they did with him so you gotta be <laughs> you gotta be a little careful they were cynical then as <laughs> yes well. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah cynicism is an easy place to be it's a comfortable place but right? it's also ironic to me that at the root of of a lot of religions is that idea you know yeah. so i take a figure like jesus or muhammad or whoever all their all their 
their goals were, were were about kindness and do unto others all that kind of all, all these religions which have you know cancerized in that's a word i've just made up it's a horrible word, but it's true. <laughs> who have sort of grown into these 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 extremely dangerous sort of like extremist uh, uh cells and groups that their, their roots are in kindness it's sure. a bizarre it's a bizarre thing and also something i'm an atheist so the way i look at it is that these things are you know we create these stories to make our lives easier because we're scared you know we we're facing an end all of us are it's a terrible mm -hmm. thing for for little existential creatures like we are to have to kind of even conceive of our own end is a lot to ask so we we have these things which make us feel better you know that's how i see it it's not how everyone sees it and if you see it a different way i love you for that but it's kind of it's it's a weird one that some uh, a, a desire which stems from not wanting to be frightened mm. leads to so much pain and anguish you know well, I mean, either, even as a, an atheist, you realize that you have to have a spiritual connection to the world. You know, yeah, I mean, not, not, not in the religious spiritual connection, but exactly. I feel more, more sort of alive and connected to the world as, as, than I ever did. When I was, when I grew up as Church of England, which is, uh, mm -hmm. uh, when Henry VIII wanted to get divorced, he invented the Church of England. So he could, <laughs> he could get rid of Catholics and then he could get divorced and marry someone else. It's, and now, as a result, a lot of people in the UK are Church of England, which is a, a branch of Christianity. When I sort of started to have my own opinions about that and, uh, and, and, and decided I, I just believed in science and, you know, and, and the random nature of the universe, I felt a lot more kind of, I felt better in a way. I felt like, mm -hmm. oh, good, I'm not going to, there isn't a hell. I can do this if I want. That doesn't make me any less moral. Yeah. It makes me more moral in a way. It's strange that we're, a lot of us, uh, you know, are governed by the constant threat of punishment. Not just punishment, but burning alive forever. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hmm, what's the worst thing yeah. like, that is smack on the ass? No, yeah. you're going to burn forever. And, and that concept gets introduced to you when you're about four. Yeah. I remember, I, remember I went to a, a cathedral school when I was a kid, <laughs> sitting in the front row, and this, yeah. this priest telling me about my soul being like a candle that's going to get blown out. <laughs> I just crying my yeah. eyes out. Going, what? Can't yeah. be the truth. Yeah. This is terrible. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it, that's, we all have our ways of looking at the world, you know. But also, you know, even being an atheist, and if you watch any kind of science, you watch Neil deGrasse Tyson's show, you can look at the mystery of this universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And be completely in awe. Absolutely. To be included. And it's okay. I think it's okay as well. It's okay to not know everything. I think the right. trouble is because we have such a high opinion, opinion of ourselves as a species, we kind of assume that we are the most important thing on the planet because we can think and talk and, and have lunch and, you know, do things, go bowling. You know, <laughs> we, we, it's, it's a strange thing. We're not, we, we're not of all the species on the planet we're not the most sort of cooperative in terms of our environment or anything we're not an ideal if god exists yeah we're the worst thing he made you know? right we're kind of like the most destructive yeah. awful kind of fucked up nasty yeah. little things on the face of this planet we behave it's like the in the matrix he said well we're more like a virus it's true yeah so why are we so special you know really you know, you look at nature, you look at the way that it's far more connected than we've... There are so many patterns in nature that reoccur. Like, if you look at your brain, uh, the, 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 the neurons in your brain, it looks like a tree. You know, there's, there are flowers which look like parts of the human body. You know, there are sort of... It's, it's, we're part of a, a much, much greater thing. And there are more amazing miracles and f fabulous things 
in nature and in science that can ever be written in any book by, uh, that could ever come out of any human mind. You know, it's uh, we live in an extraordinary place, and it's a joy to be here. You know, and that's why it's really important to to make the most of your time here rather than defer it to some mythical garden you're going to live in after you die because you ain't. Mm. You know. So this is it for you. Yeah. You want to make the best movies, have the best time. Yeah, and it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life's amazing. You yeah. Know? It's kind of, it's a wonderful thing. Well, you're, you know, your career has been amazing in the fact that you really do get to do more than a lot of other people. First of all, because you have this kind of partnership with Edgar, that, we, that even when you go out and do big Hollywood movies, we never go... Oh, he sold out and left us. <laughs> we know you're coming back. You Always, know, yeah. you know. And so I, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't see. I don't see those. I'm not. I'm not an actor who you know who does one for me and one for them. It's yeah. not like I do the big films so I can do my little boutique indie movies. I love doing the big films. I am mm-hmm. having a hoot at the moment on Mission Impossible Five. I it is it is so much fun to work with you know the, possibly the last great movie star of our time, and. It, it's it's he is such a fun person to be around. The funny thing about Tom Cruise is that uh, when you look at him from afar, he's very complex and very sort of like people. He's so weird in Scientology and he jumps yeah. on the chairs and oh my god, he's crazy. <laughs> he believes in aliens, all this kind of stuff. You get the closer you get to him, the more ordinary he becomes. And he, when you get right up close to him, he's just like this guy who's incredibly driven and he really cares about his job and he 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 applies himself a hundred percent preternaturally sometimes but that's his happiness he's found he's found his happiness in his work but i love sort of being around him and just sort of poking him about it and sort of uh and he laughs when he when he takes a step back from his life and looks at it Uh, the thing i say to him most is of course you fucking do you're tom cruise (laughs) you know he'll he'll say something that that's he said to me the other day i did this movie uh, called Risky Business. And I was like, did you? <laughs> <laughs> like he has a small story to yeah, tell I know, you. I know. I'm going to tell you something about it. Yeah. I'm going to get honest here for yeah. a second. But, you know, and you know how, and, and uh, again, about taking things for granted, it's so difficult to stay a legitimate movie star as long as he had. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, his run is like John Wayne's or Jimmy Cagney's or Earl Flynn. And for some reason, like you said, maybe because it's cynicism, but we lower it down to these a couple of things that we can, you know, bust balls about. Well, he's, yeah, he's someone who's, in order to do that, he's had to live his life in a certain way. I mean, you know, it's, it's, he can't be that available to people. He 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 kind of, I wouldn't say he encourages, but he he certainly doesn't go out of his way to dispel the mystique. It's interesting right. to keep this air of mystery about him. People kind of uh, thrive on it in a way. It feeds his his sort of status in a way. He's a, he's a particular kind of film actor film star you know and i get it and i totally sort of um i marvel at it and i i i admire it to a degree at the other in the other on the other side of that i think i could never do that and not, mm. not that i'm capable of doing that but i would be we were out doing a, a, a technical recce in vienna recently looking for a place to shoot this scene and i'm walking around with chris mcquarrie who's directing the movie and tom and and you know you're looking around thinking no one's can no one can see Tom Cruise. This is amazing. It's like and then one person sees him and then another person. And then within twenty minutes a hundred people around us with camera phones all going yeah. And he's in the middle as calm as you like when I would just be freaking out and sort of like wanting to go and bury myself up to my neck and cry. Because he's had that day for, you know, three and a half decades or whatever. Yeah. 
There was an interesting article written recently about the the couch jumping incident and how it became a convenient tool or a convenient switch with which to kind of beat him. And what actually happened and what people remember happening is completely different. He was in an audience with a whole bunch of people who, for whom they were his favorite celebrity. Yeah. He was on Oprah. He'd just fallen in love with someone. And I think he kind of leapt up there just once. Uh, he got a bit overexcited. He is prone to getting excited. Yeah. He loves life and all that kind of stuff. This coincided with the birth of YouTube, and he yeah. sort of became the first internet mem, and it became something that was morphed. The whole article was called, Did He Really Jump on the Couch? And it's interesting. And I, I, I always think it's a shame when people leap on something in order to, to, to have some shared schadenfreude to kind of like have a, a, a community of, yeah. of or, or a communal kind of grumble it, it just it's 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 bitter and it's not productive it, if we're going to share something we should share joy oh i sound like a hippie again uh, <laughs> it's because i've been promoting this movie about happiness I, I, <laughs> i've been talking a lot about happiness recently and and, and you, you you do get a bit sappy you know i mean well just wear robes wherever you go i'm now. gonna wear you robes holy but you know you, you brought up the oprah thing go back and watch that because oprah was the one going she crazy pumping him up. She, yes <laughs> she was crazy and then later when you know the shit at the fence. She's like, I don't know where his head was that day. You know, she just you right, know, right. she went she away, left him out to dry. But it was a convenient way in for such a long time. He'd be on, he'd been on sort of assailable, and it was yeah. a convenient way to bring him down. It makes us sometimes it's, and this isn't helped by the sort of celebrity media, which which f f fosters so much interest in this side of things. I hate, hate, hate so much. I hate. I'm going to say it five times. Hate when people call me a celeb. Right now, I hate being. I'm not a fucking celeb, okay? I'm an actor, and and there, there is, and a writer, uh, and hopefully a director one day. Uh, but but the 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 this word, it's like it, it's it's so passive aggressive. It, it it's such a reduction of who you are. It's like you become this sort of facile, meaningless thing that's only in it for the re, for the for to be that thing. Yeah. And for me. It's the second worst C word in the language. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I love the first one, by yeah. the way. But it, 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 it's a weird, it's a weird double standard. And those 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 magazines which have, hey, they're just like us kind of pages. Right. They just do nothing but engender that separation. But see, the thing is, too, is like. I, I would guarantee that we all love Jack Nicholson, but the house would be the least part of that equation. Right, right. You know, right. it's coolness, it's creativity. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we used to care about. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. at one point, like, you loved Miles Davis because he could play and he was very, very cool. But somewhere around the 80s, it got into maybe it was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Look where they live, look where they vacation. Yeah. yeah Who yeah. gives a fuck? He's Jack. Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, if he's yeah. standing on the street corner, it's that's weird, the coolest thing. It's weird. It's a, yeah. It's a strange double standard. I think it's a. I always see it as being like radiation. If you work in a nuclear power plant, uh, you're going to be subjected to radiation. That's just part of the job, and you have to be okay with that. But to say that the radiation is the best part of the job is really weird. Mm -hmm. And it's it's nice to be. It's nice to. I love it when I meet people who who've seen the films I've done and who like who come up and say, "Hey, I saw Shaun of the Dead and I, I changed my life or whatever." It's so amazing that 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 I would never ever be cross at someone for coming up and saying that or wanting a picture, all that stuff. You have, even if if it's the hundredth one that day, you've got to take it with good grace because that person has has had to get a bit of courage up to do that. So you. 
you know that that stuff is is fantastic and it, it it's not something that i ever would ever complain about or or or, or, or want to go away but it, it is a weird thing that 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 side of things has become seemingly more important nowadays when you see an award ceremony the red carpet is the program we will watch right. when the awards come on fuck that I'm yeah. gonna start, i'll switch over and watch something else you know yeah it's a strange thing it's become it's become very um i think maybe because it's the notion of being on tv or something has been slightly demythologized by v the video camera it used to be before we could own films and before we could tape television the television was a box in the corner of the room that owned us if you weren't in front of it at a certain time of day you'd miss your favorite show you had no yeah. say you know and then suddenly we began to be able to tape our shows we'd be able to began to film ourselves and put ourselves on tv and the whole notion of celebrity became a lot more kind of grounded and without mystery and and now it's become this thing which we all feel entitled to and are constantly fascinated by it's a strange condition of the modern age well you just reminded me of being a kid and like your aunt would or, or grandmother would show up during happy days and then like, <laughs> you're like no no not now <laughs> what you're are you insane <laughs> get out this is happy days time but yeah that has changed like only sporting events do people really feel the need to watch yeah live absolutely now. it's kind of a shame i i miss having and this goes back to the notion of choice and how choice is possibly dangerous, which sounds like I'm being some sort of pro-communist nutcase. Yeah. Uh, it, it, if you have a thousand channels to watch, all you'll ever do is change the channel. When I was a kid, growing up in the 80s in, in, in the UK, we had four channels. That was it. You'd turn on the TV and you'd pick something and you'd watch it. No matter what it was, it might be a wildlife documentary. <gasps> it, might be, it might even be something serious or challenging. You might actually stay and watch something which made you think, you know. But with this, it's like, no, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. Yeah. I don't want to watch that. And it's, it's kind of the more choice we have, the less content we are in a way because it, it seems like we, we can't settle on anything yeah well you know when the beatles came over this country it, when the kids were waiting for the beatles they had to sit through a juggler and then you know <laughs> russian dancers so you were forced yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. see things while you waited to see that one thing yeah. that you did there's no way a kid would sit and wait long enough no 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 absolutely not no children god they don't know they're born no. fetuses don't know they're born uh i have a thing about the beatles uh, i have a theory about the beatles to just to bring things to a, a light place that they the beatles if you want to impersonate the beatles now i know you all do if you want to take this <laughs> yeah, to a, right. if you want to take this to a party the beatles all live in a different part of your mouth which you can use <laughs> when impersonating them okay i'll demonstrate for you now <laughs> So John Lennon lives up here, right? When he talks, he talks like this. Paul McCartney's up there, you know, the top of your mouth. It's up here like that. Ringo's right at the front. He talks like this, right under his nose. And George is sort of in the middle like that. <laughs> so when you want to impersonate the Beatles, just remember it's back, top, front, and middle. And then... <laughs> The Beatles in your mouth, I think, would be a fantastic children's book. Like there probably could yeah. say that they have. You never yeah. know. It was probably the sixties was a good time. Quite a few, <laughs> at least with George. Um, 
you know, uh, you got other stuff coming out now as well, too. Is yeah, Box I, Trolls is... Yeah, Box Trolls is, is out soon, which is a fabulous animation from the guys that did Coraline and Paranorman, yeah. the Leica studio. They're still doing the, the stop-motion animation, which is, you know, a, a technology which has kind of been a little forgotten in the wake of CG, but has still evolved and become something wonderful, and the artistry in that movie yeah, is staggering. Yeah, they take it somewhere else, even else than oh, it's been before. It's amazing, and it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Great cast, Sir Ben Kingsley's in it, and Elf Fanning and Isaac Hempstead Wright, who's Bran in Game of Thrones. Any Game of Thrones fans will know who he is. Um, and yeah, that's coming out pretty soon. And then I've had a busy year this year with um, I did a movie in uh, London called Man Up, a, a, a rom com in Man Up with um, Lake Bell, who's an actress I think who lives Fantastic, here in, in yeah. New York. Uh, I did a movie with the Monty Python. Uh, Terry Jones, uh, and and in a moment of sadness, uh, one of Robin Williams' last performances, he, he he voices my dog in that movie, Dennis, hilariously, uh, um, and I'm very happy to hear that he uh, managed to complete you know everything before he decided to leave us. As tragic as that is, there's no good thing about Robin Williams going, but I'm I'm happy that he's going to be in this movie, uh, and Mission Impossible Five, which is uh, which is currently in production. And um, I can also report that I've been on the set of Star Wars, and it looks amazing. You have. <laughs> now, Star Wars was the kind of moment of your youth that yes, probably absolutely. set everything in the motion. A hundred percent, yeah, yeah. And I was very excited. Well, actually, when I first heard JJ was doing it, I got upset because I was like, "Oh no, Daddy's going to go and play with someone else." Right. You know, it's like I phoned him and said, "Is Star Trek going to be like the the um, the less cute older sibling?" You know, <laughs> now you've got this new baby to play with. Right. That's not true. He'll he'll be very involved when we make Star. Star Trek 3 next year but um, yeah I, I, I live very close to Pinewood uh, and you know when your friend's down there making a film of course you're going to go visit and have a look around right. and, uh, um, it's very exciting and remind them that maybe you're available for the next one <laughs> yeah right yeah but in, in deference to JJ's um, wonderful sort of uh, uh, approach to secrecy, I, I won't say anything. But it, all I can say is, and this is known, that he's decided to approach the movie very much like they did back in the 70s, which was to use a lot of physical stuff, to not rely too heavily on CG, uh, to get... This is a story I told him. This is absolutely true. Uh, early on, and he took this into meetings... Um, when he was they were talking about you know making the new star wars film when i showed my daughter the empire strikes back she's only three i couldn't wait it was a night you know it's like just watch it now i can't wait for you to be seven uh we she watched star wars she liked star wars she was a little frightened by the sand people and got a bit bored towards the end she watched all of empire strikes back which is strange because it's a darker movie but when we were when uh yoda first appears on the screen um She'd never seen the Frank Oz Yoda. She'd only ever seen the cartoon Yoda, or he's on a commercial in the UK advertising cell phones. <laughs> uh, she'd only seen that guy. She'd never seen the puppet. And, and he sort of, he, when he appears, I saw her sort of sit up, and she looked at the screen, and then she looked at me, and then she looked back at the screen, and she watched it for a bit, and then she said, Daddy, he's real. <laughs> and, and I kind of, like, burst and cr crying. I was like, you're my child! Uh, and it was because he's there, you know? He's there interacting with Mark Hamill, and all... Yeah, you know, even if he was CG, we'd still know he wasn't really there, because he's a little kind of long-eared alien. But the fact that it was a puppet who was existing in the same space as Mark Hamill talking to him... 
it made her believe in him in a way that CG would never do, you know. And I told JJ this, and, and JJ went into a, a number of meetings in, in the sort of period leading up to making Star Wars, and I think used that as a, as, a, as a good argument for using puppets and masks and that kind of thing. And when I did go to visit the set, one of the puppeteers came up to me and said, hey, you're the guy whose daughter saved Star Wars. <laughs> 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 Which was probably one of the greatest moments of my life. So, you know, I know that JJ had always planned to do that, but it was a nice little um, validation of that impulse, I think, to have a, a child of that age say that. Yeah, and we know it instinctively when something is... What we consider real, you Absolutely. know, we've gotten so far yeah. away from that. But everyone is you know, even go back to the first Jurassic Park. Mm. The fact that he mixed. Totally, yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly thought maybe there was dinosaurs at the I time. Yeah, so uh, and because yeah, the mixture of models and CG, yeah. you you couldn't quite tell which was which, which was amazing. And I think the, the the key is with something like a dinosaur or an alien. When we look at the screen, we know it's not real. Part of our brain is having to say, let's pretend this is real, whether yeah. it's a puppet or not, or whether it's a puppet or CG. And it, it's there's something to be said for something being in the room, for being physical. And I, I feel like it's like synthesizers. When synthesizers first came out in the right. 80s, everybody was like, instruments are dead, man. The guitars, <laughs> bury your guitars, there's no more drums. This is it. It's all about, you know, the synthesizers. And everybody was making music with synthesizers. And there was a period when they, they were so overused that all music was electronic and then eventually it took its place in the pantheon of instruments and is used responsibly and yeah. <laughs> you know sparingly and correctly now and I think that's what CG is going to be like but, you know? but it's also fun to go back and see like how many 60s and 70s great artists made their shittiest work in the 80s <laughs> you know like Van Morrison you're just like Neil Young what, what were you, were you thinking? doing man you had everything <laughs> And I did think that happened with like a lot of filmmakers as well. You know, the, as soon as they thought like, "Oh, I don't need a giant cast." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you go back and watch some of those nineteen fifties, you know, Ben Hur, you're like, "Fuck!" I know it's the incredible. greatest thing ever. Or you watch. I never for a second when I watched Jason and the Argonauts when I was a kid right. thought oh, that's not very good. Right. You know, because I believe those skeletons were fighting with swords, and you yeah, know, because part of the joy of watching a fantasy film is suspending your disbelief yeah. no one's asking you to believe that anything you're watching is real that's your choice to do that if something's really shonky then you think well you didn't make much of an effort but yeah if someone what i love is is being able to say how did they do that and when something is very very computer generated you just say oh somebody just sat in front of a computer and built it it's there's no mystery yeah but if you watch a film and think and are puzzled by it. I love that feeling of, of, of wondering how the hell did they do that, you know. Wouldn't you just love to grab someone now and watch them watch Jaws for the first time? <laughs> just sit there and watch that happen to someone? Yeah. Because that scared the hell out of a, a planet. Absolutely, you yeah. Know? It's incredible, isn't it? I, 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 it's interesting to show children old films, you know. And I, yeah. I, I recently... With, with Tilly, I, I show her old movies as much. We watch, me and Tilly sat and watched The Incredible Shrinking Man recently, which was, uh, I think, 1956. 50, yeah. And, and, black and white. Yeah, totally black and white. And really, really... I mean, the special effects in that are from the 50s. Yeah, they are. And she loved it. She watched it completely all the way through, bought it, was weirded out by it, was slightly frightened by the spider. Yeah. You know, and... 
kids just kids are okay with that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're, we're being spoon fed too much. We're being underestimated too much. Yeah, I remember seeing that when I was a kid too, like that, and and thinking, oh, this is a silly first, and then couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> just like I don't know how, but if I start shrinking, this will be the worst thing that ever happened. And that's really what you know. That's what we want out of yeah. these experiences. It's a great. The, the, the thing I love about that movie as well, I forgot about when yeah. I was first watching it, is the the first half an hour. He's only shrinking like a few inches. Right. Like yeah. it's it's not until the end when he's becoming like you know yeah. fighting a spider. At first he's just like, hey, I'm five foot six. What the fuck? Hands <laughs> are a little yeah, bit baggy. Like, yeah, he is. There's a whole yeah. scene where my pants don't fit. Yeah, which is hilarious, you know. Well, you know, in in playing. Uh, in Star Trek, too. That's something that meant something to so many different generations. Yeah. One thing that people in the 60s and 70s, and especially Place Scotty, yeah. which is an amazing... You know, all those guys went off and kind of were those people for it, a lot of years. It was a hell of a thing. All of us uh, taking on those roles had an interesting job ahead of us because we didn't want to go and impersonate any of the actors the, yeah. because the, the, those actors became almost you know indistinguishable from their characters they were so iconic so beloved so famous that none of us wanted to go and do an impression of you know for, for chris to do chatner or, or for zach to do leonard even though he, he kind of zach because spock was a certain way he had to kind of mm -hmm. we all of us had to kind of approach our characters in the same way that our forebears did but i tried to look at the page and say okay he's scottish and he works in space not try and do an impression of jimmy doohan because that would have done him a disservice um it was an interesting thing to do and i i think um jj JJ did it very well. We, 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 we approached it with great reverence, but at the same time knew we were trying to open it up to a new group of people. Had to ask the fans to say, do you mind if we It's a tough this one, to right? Yeah. A little bit. I and mean, some yeah. fans don't like it. Some fans, you know, the, the, the Into Darkness really split the fan base down the middle because I think, uh, it, you know, we didn't, we stayed in the sort of around Earth. We didn't set off on the five-year mission, which was a problem for them. The whole fact that we took on one of the most beloved, uh, you know, villains ever in Khan and sort of reinvented them a little bit. Um, and I get it. I understand why why they would. Although I am quoted as saying "fuck you," uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> I was told that uh, that Into Darkness had been voted the least, fa the, the worst Star Trek film ever. And mm. I think my, my oh, "fuck you," <laughs> but I do get it. And I, 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 it's it's one of those things when you take a beloved property uh, and and you try and you know breathe life into it. What I hope is that what it means is Star Trek lives on and, and with a bit of luck if we do make the, f the third one next year then Star Trek 3 will come out on the 50th anniversary or the year of it's, insane. it's been around for 50 years yeah. Star Trek you know you know I had a club and Jimmy came in uh, years ago and we introduced him from the stage and everyone you know because it was dinner and he stood up and everyone went crazy and it had to be you know 35 years after he started or something and he, you know, he milked the applause, and I don't think ever sat down again. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And it was 35 years after he had done that role, and people act like a, a long lost relative. Yeah, come it's incredible. Into the I met him weirdly enough. Yeah. In 2005, three years before I got the role, I, I met him at a, a science fiction convention. He was very frail. He'd had a stroke, and he, he died not long after that. But uh, I, 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 I think of that sometimes and think. If only both of you knew at that time, right. you know, as I shook his hand, that I'd one day sort of like play the part that he created and made famous. And his son, Chris, who I've become friends with, who also plays Scotty in an amazing web show called Star Trek Continues, mm -hmm. which you should check out because they have made it like exactly like the original series. And they've picked up where the original series ended. It's amazing. A bunch of fans 
uh, who got together and made this extraordinary show, Star Trek Continues. Chris gave me a penknife that belonged to James, and which I keep, you know, as a as a as a memento of him and and to remind me that I'm not the first or the best Scotty, right. you know. <laughs> but it's great to have somebody hold it up that it means something to you. Know? Yeah. I mean, that's the the beauty of it. Yeah, we all managed to, I mean, apart from uh, Carl Urban, who uh, unfortunately DeForest Kelly died before, you know, we started. Everyone else has met their, their forebears, and, um, and particularly with Zach and Leonard Nimoy, they've become good friends. There's a great commercial, I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> yes. Where they, yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. So funny. Simon Peck, thank you so much thank for coming you. in here. And, um, Hector in the search for happiness. I hope you find it all over time, my friend. Thank you, Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, buddy. You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to The Ron and Fez Show. It's now over, but don't worry. As whenever you want, go to SiriusXM.com slash on demand.